Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Uh, Welcome, everybody. Episode 228 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today, I think, is my first professional musician I've ever had, and she's also the first first person ever to bring a musical instrument that I can remember into the studio, so I'm I'm excited. (laughs) Um, So I'll probably have her, uh, you know, take that out and and, uh, play a little something for you at some point during the podcast, but guest today is Taylor LaValle. Um, I w- we'll dive into everything. We'll give you a full, so welcome Taylor. Hi, thank you. you. Um, so for people that don't, I always start with this, but people that don't know you, who are you? How'd you become a professional musician? And like any other stuff that you want to intro us into? Okay. Um, so, <laughs> well, I, um, I come from a very musical family. Uh, my dad actually, he was from Morse Forks. Um, did like country western back in the day, had his own TV show in Canada, went to high schools, middle schools, did cowboy shows, and then um, he ended up moving to Nashville and making a career out of producing and, and doing music. Um, started the, this isn't about me, but just giving you an intro into how it started, but um, he actually brought the Opry to New England, um, played at the Grand Ole Opry, things like that. So all very inspiring things for me. Um, so I was born in Nashville, 1995. Um, and just being around that, like family photos and stuff, you can see that I was just very into touching all the equipment. You know, the fondest memory I have as a kid, which it's so random, but I remember being backstage at, I'm assuming one of my dad's shows and just the chords going down the, the hallways and just like running and following all the chords. So, um, but fast forward to, you know, I've, I've been writing my whole life. My first song was probably at nine. I was writing silly little love songs and it, it's embarrassing. I still have the notebook. So <laughs> <laughs> every song I've ever written, I still have those. Um, but when I was 13, for my 13th birthday, I was like, mom, I really want a guitar. Like I like writing. I want to really get into it. Um, so she took me to FYE because we didn't really know anything at the time about equipment, my mom and I. Um, I got a $50 knockoff Gibson guitar and started making videos with my iPad or my iPod. And it just went from there. Um, so over the years, I've developed quite a bit, um, got better guitars, got better at writing songs and just, yeah. I didn't know FYE sold guitars. Is yeah. That, in the mall, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I remember <laughs> it. We're DS, with DS, is DSW still there? Yeah, it is. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, yeah, I didn't know they had music, musical instruments there. Um, do you, and this this is maybe a dad joke on my part, but do you play a Taylor guitar? I do not. Okay. Have so, you gotten that before? Every time. And okay. you know, I really, I was very certain that I would get a, a Taylor guitar. Uh, my husband actually, this was a Christmas gift. It's a Martin guitar. Okay. Um, but Martins just sound better. Okay. Yeah. Do you, um, We'll come back into guitar. So I won't off, off uh, 
take us off course here. So you get your guitar at 13. I mean, you start playing it right, right then and there. I used YouTube to learn. Yeah. Okay. I was one of those kids where I didn't really like go do much of anything. What year were you? Thir- you said 95, so 2008? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I very fastly became the girl that sings at school. So it was just, I ran with it, you know? Um, so started doing talent shows around town and yeah. Were you singing prior to playing guitar? Like were you in like chorus and things like that? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, did chorus, had solos in chorus. Um did an acapella group in school, all of it. <laughs> oh, pitch perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so you end up, um, I, I guess actually before you get the guitar, before 13, were you playing any musical instruments prior to that? No. I mean, we had my old, my dad's old PV electric that had like broken strings and I would sometimes just like pluck along with it. It wasn't tuned. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'd like hit a string and start strumming and it sounded okay. So I was like, we'll just go with that. That's why I was like, I need a real guitar Um, because the thing, it's like YouTube became a really big thing, right? Yeah. So I would see people doing covers and like, I want to do that. Like, I want to post covers, but I can't do it just singing a cappella. I wasn't versed enough with like technology to pull up a karaoke, whatever, and sing to it. So I'm like, I need a guitar to do this and for 13, like I was very driven. I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is what I need. Let's get it done. Now, did you, I mean, you said you learned off of, of YouTube. Did, what, did your dad ever teach you anything or? So no, um, actually my, my dad passed when I was four, um, from cancer. Okay. Yeah. So, right. you know, that kind of is a big reason why I do what I do today. Um, you know, I didn't really get to learn music from him and I have a lot of friends that play music with their parents and their dad. And I'm like, man, that must be so awesome. You know, um, I really admire that. So, um, I never learned from him. I literally learned on my own, but he probably had a hand in it somehow. You know, I'm, I'm one of those, but so, so I, um, so from a, a young age, I mean, do you, like I said, do you have any old videos of him or anything that you kind of look back and like, I, you know, whether it's his style or his voice or anything like that, that like drew you or has an influence on you? Oh yeah. Or do you try to replicate or emulate it? So my mom actually says that, you know, sometimes I do things or the way I smile on stage or something, I remind her of my dad. Um, he used to wear like back in the day, rhinestone cowboy to a T. Um, he had like custom made rhinestone suits Uh, with the boots and there's home videos like I think it's the hometown TV network has videos on YouTube of him Um, he played fiddle standing on his head someone would come hold his feet and he'd play fiddle upside down like so as far as stage presence goes he was a showman he's a showman for sure so I think in that sense I do I try to like I want when people see me on stage to be like wow like what a performer she really puts on a show Um, sometimes I say things that I probably shouldn't on stage, but that's part of it, you know, and that's how he was. So any of the, well, so here you are. So hometown cable, Taylor Valley and friends. Yeah. Um, we'll see if we can find any, if I I keep going, who's your father? Doug LaValle. Okay. Maybe that would be a little easier. Right there. Right here. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. 95. Perfect. Uh, my mom was actually still in Nashville when this was recorded because she was super pregnant with me. I was, okay, yeah, yeah ninety five. So yeah. you were was this January? Yep. Yeah, January twenty first. I was born in July. 
Oh, this is Bob Van. Is that him right there? Yeah, look at him. Uh, you look. You get some of his features for sure. Mm-hmm. People thought he was Elvis in Plattsburgh. Oh, like, really? He was the Elvis of Plattsburgh. So do you know who he who used to? So I, again, I don't know any of these people by by recognition. Not ninety five. I mean, that's. I'm sure if I knew by name, someone'd be like, "Oh, that's so and so." I'm like, oh, yeah. "I've heard of that guy." Do you know who the people he played with back then? So the guy playing drums back there, that's mm-hmm. Kevin Shatra. Um, actually, one of my first bands I was ever in, he drummed in. So that was kind oh, of cool. a full circle moment. Yeah. And I will say, like, there's so many musicians. It's a it's a circle. It's a community of people here, you know, where they've played with my dad. So for them to have played with my dad and now they get to play with me is like such a cool thing. Um, that's my uncle Ward, which oh. <laughs> I, was, I thought it was your dad at first because no. of the uh, that's the my outfit. my uncle Ward. Uh, he was a character too. Also, oh, this is your father. That's my uncle. We're, we're coming up. Sorry. Yeah, that's him. Oh, so cool. So you've seen this video before? Yeah. yeah. We usually fast forward through all this stuff. <laughs> and over to the music? <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. It just... Um, so is he originally... He's You said from Morris Forks. And then yeah. he went away to Nashville and then came back. Yep. Okay. And then came back because of you, I'm assuming, baby? He, he came back a few times. Um, he came back to do like shows like this or, you know, just music in general. You go back to your hometown, right? And... Uh, he met my mom. My mom worked at a radio station here. I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, but she was 19 at the time. He was 42. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so age is just a number, people. Um, <laughs> so in my mom's and dad's defense, she was like very mature for her age. Um, so she worked at a radio station. He came into the radio station to do an interview and they played his music and stuff. And he asked her out and she said yes. And rest is history i mean it, they weren't dating long and he was like do you want to come to tennessee with me and she's like yes so yeah very cool so mm-hmm. um <laughs> no, I, I like it you're, you're, the way you said it was funny your, your mannerisms but so um is your mom musical at all she did they used to sing together back in the day there's probably videos up there somewhere my mom um had a very still does have a very beautiful voice she just doesn't like to sing in front of people, um, but they used to do shows together, and she was something back in the day. My mom <laughs> did. did uh, so, so she stand, sits on her head, also like singing and, and dancing. Yes, like your dad playing fiddle. <laughs> um, the uh, so when you started um, kind of picking up music, and again, I think it's probably something ingrained in you. And you know, I think um, you know as I've gotten older, and I see like the way my kids react, and then I think of myself, and I'm like, oh god, I'm act like my parents or yeah. something. You know, you kind of. It's full circle, so as you know, you have a little one, so you'll be you'll be like, oh my god, I'm like yeah, they're pulling after me or Troy or whoever. Already, it might be. Yeah. she's always singing, always. Oh, that's making how, up how songs. How old is she now? She'll be three in August. Oh yeah, that's a perfect age. Yeah, she um, dances, puts on shows. It's something. Um. So and she obviously sees you play, so that she mm-hmm. like emulates mom, and you know yeah. that's cool. Like mom's a musician. Like and then- this is I have to say, like she likes my music. <laughs> Um, so my song take the edge off from the most recent album is like one of her favorites. So 
Yeah, we listen to it in the car sometimes because she asks for it. And I'm always like, oh my God, if somebody pulls up and sees me listening to my own song, it's because my child is asking for it. It's, I'm not pushing it on her. She just likes getting those it. downloads up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so you get, um, so you get the guitar and at, at what, I guess from a YouTube perspective, you start following along. I played a little bit of guitar back in like college. I learned via YouTube too. I can't read yeah. music. I just, I don't read it either. Yeah. I just pick it up and I learned the chords and stuff, but, um, and I'll dive into that more cause I want to kind of have you explain it better than I ever could. Um, but how long did it take you where you felt comfortable with the guitar playing? Like how many, whether months or years or... It took some years. I mean, it didn't take me long to pick up on the actual chords itself. It was the strumming part that was tough. Mm-hmm. And then you add singing on top of that. For a moment, I was like, I can't do this. It was very frustrating. Um, so a good year of just solid playing, practicing. Like I said, I, I stayed home to myself. I had like one best friend and she was into music too. So it was perfect. Um, but yeah, I'd practice. And then after about a year, um, I started going to open mics things like that. And that's where I met a lot of friends in the music community that I'm still friends with today. And this was still as a young girl, like 14 or so? Yeah. Yeah. I think I was 15 at this point, actually. Um, But I had to lie about my age. So there's that. But You're younger than me, so you're doing well. So (laughs) all all for good reason. But um, yeah, so I, the toughest thing was singing and playing at the same time, but really practice is what it takes. The more that I practice singing and playing at the same time, like now I've got I've got a good rhythm, but it's a lot of trial and error, really. What was what was the hardest part for you? Like you said, the chords are pretty easy. Was strumming harder to pick up, or was singing while doing all the other stuff harder to pick up? Strumming is hard because at first, you know, you get the chords and you do like the one strum down, mm-hmm. and it's like down up down down up down. So in your head, you're like saying to yourself down up down while trying to say words. Um, but just after a while, like you kind of have to just throw yourself to the wolves a little bit and just go for it, I guess. So when I played guitar, like the chords I found were not hard to learn. There was a couple, there's a couple of chord structures. Like the C is still my nemesis. Cause I always end up, I fat finger. <laughs> I don't think I have fat fingers, but you know, like I poor excuse on my part, but, um, I find there's some chord, um, some chords that are easy to play. Some chords like D's easy, G's easy. I always had like easy, um, chord, um, chord shapes. And then I always found C was hard. And then I could, I learned the bar chords and I learned a lot of different variations. I still to this day can't strum. Bar chords are where I struggle. Oh, really? Is yeah. It, um, I actually am okay with bar chords, oddly enough. The only thing that happens on bar chords, because my thumb is behind like bracing, because you got to kind of like really curl it around. Yeah. I start getting cramped in like this lower pad of my hand. So <laughs> I got I, the carpal tunnel. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm like, you know, slapping it and I'm doing like doing it decent and all of a sudden like midway through, you're like, Ah, like you're starting to get this like a uh, Charlie horse in your For pump. sure. Yeah, um, I get that. And so, and I always found that when you start guitar, building up the calluses on your fingertips hurts, but eventually you get them. And then I find that just the pure stamina of like, like you said, like you're not getting that carpal tunnel where you can just like play and yeah. you're not getting those Charlie horses, but the strumming, I could not pick up. And I still, and again, when I say I played or practice if I told you, you'd be like, you didn't really practice. So it wasn't that long, but, um, I, you know, I'd go through spurts, but it just, the strumming always, I very much struggled with it. Well, right now, like, I feel like I'm pretty decent at guitar. I wish I could, you know, rip a solo or do something cool like that. Um, but I, I really try to like 
do more fancy things with the strumming and things like that. Um, but 13, I started and I'm going to be 28 this year. So it's a lot of practice. Yeah. And when you say, um, so we're talking 15 years, are you playing every single day pretty much of those 15 years? Or if you said in the last 15 years, I've played 95% of the days, like, is it pretty high? I used to, um, before I met my husband, I played a lot, a lot more just Mm -hmm. because you have more time on your hands, you know, um, I've actually taught him guitar. So he's, he does pretty good. I gotta say, and every once in a while I'll hear him in the other room, like noodling around and it's pretty funny, but, um, yeah, I don't, I wish I could say that I play every day. Um, but I don't, there's times this is awful, but I won't, I've gone like maybe two to three weeks without even touching a guitar before, like in between gigs. Mm-hmm. But then once you've practiced enough and you've played enough, it's, you just pick it up and you're like, good to go. So that's why I always wondered, like, if you look at, um, like professional musicians and they, you know, obviously it doesn't seem like they're bad. So, um, cause it's just, again, it's so ingrained in them, but do you find that most musicians that I would say are, are technically like proficient and would consider themselves professional that they could go long, long stretches and you wouldn't even know the difference? Or do you think that there's going to be rust that you can easily hear or see? Or do you think that most, um, cause I would think if you take a month off of something, you're semi rusty, you don't, yeah. like, you're not terrible, but you, you know, you're not as sharp as if you did every single day. Right. Do you find that's with you or do you find that that with most prof- professional musicians, they could probably pick up after a month and you wouldn't know the difference? I think in anything you do, if it's been a hot minute, you're going to, in a music standpoint, it's going to take a few songs for you to be like, oh, okay, this is how I do this. <laughs> um, but it's really, playing an instrument is like kind of like muscle memory, mm-hmm. truly. Like I, there, I don't even have to think about it anymore when I'm doing it. What about vo- uh, singing? Yeah. Uh, with that, if I haven't, I sing all the time. Do I touch a guitar every day? No, but I'm always singing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah. Uh, I feel like that, if you don't do it for a while, it can get really rusty. So again, even if it's not your own songs, if you're like driving in the car and you're singing to the radio, like that's still practice for you, right? Yeah. Even but you know it's... what my like toxic trait is, is I can never just sing the song straightforward. I always have to like harmonize in the car. I can't just sing the song. I have to harmonize the song some way or another. I think it drives the And when you say crazy. harmonize, you kind of explain that. Like if you hear a song in the radio, like what, what are you thinking? Like pick any song, give us an example. Okay. Well. You want me to play a song? Here, you do just like sing a note. I can't sing, so. Don't give me that. Just like go. Like uh, uh, Okay, uh, do it. Uh, I don't. Just go. Uh, uh, see, we just harmonized. So w- what's the purpose <laughs> of the harmonize? You're like filling in my pathetic harmony. Harmonies just build. <laughs> they just give it flavor. So so you're building off of, so what note was I potentially singing? See, I don't know that. <laughs> but you could you hear it. <laughs> but then I you, hear it. And then you say, okay, I can kind of match that. Are yeah. you going for pitch or are you going for like just overall like sound? Just like, sound. So if I went like lower, would you go lower to match it? Or could you go like I go lower and then you hit up like a higher note? So basically you just like do like a step higher than what you're doing. Okay. No matter what. So it like it would kind of be if someone's playing guitar and you're playing maybe at the, you know, 
up in the top of the neck and you're playing the first few frets and then someone goes down and is hitting like the five, six, seven fret, but they're still playing the same, um, same notes, same notes. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be kind of the same yeah, equivalent. Just, yeah. So when you see people go up and they're like soloing or like my favorite band's Dave Matthews band. So like I go watch them live and they jam and then a lot of jam bands do this, but like they jam, but then they'll just go around the horn and they'll all play, but they're all just like moving. And yeah. I, and I always find it, you know, and again, I'll dive into this with you, but I always find like, it's amazing. Obviously, they're professionals, and it's like they they know something we don't know. Mm-hmm. So they're all playing, and I know when you hear songs like, "Hey, we're playing in the the you know the key of G or the key of C or whatever that might be." I don't understand what that is, but I, you can see that they just all kind of play their instruments, but it all sounds right. And they might go on like this little like thing, but it's still within the same like note key whatever. And I wish I could do that. Like sometimes, for example, like when my band and I play together. They'd be like, what key is this in again? And they'd be like, it's in G sharp. And I'm like, okay, can you just show me your fingers? Where do the fingers lie? And okay. then they'll show me where their fingers are. I'm like, oh, that one. So if, someone, so if they say like the key of G sharp, what's that mean? I don't know. It okay. just, it's it's the the key that the song is in. So. And yeah. I guess what I don't, because like if you take a guitar and it's standard tuning, I would say most songs are standard tuning. Yeah. If you have a, um, so was it EA, whatever the, the notes. Um, it, so if you have the standard strings and someone's playing it, like I know I've looked at enough, I don't understand it, but the root of each <laughs> string and the root of each fret, everything's a little bit different. The root of each note is different. Yeah, so if you're playing scales. a bar, yeah, yeah. So if you, and I've looked at scales before, but then you have like this, you know, this major scales, minor scales, the pentatonic scales, right? Yeah. And then you have like all these different scales, which again, I don't really know. And all the scales can pretty much be played along the whole fret. So if you play G, you can play scales along almost every single fret, you yeah. know, within a couple groupings. Yeah, that so are in accordance with that particular note. Yeah. Yeah. So someone's going like jamming on a song and they want to go down to like the 11th or 12th fret and they're kind of a little bit higher on the, I guess that's higher, right? Going towards yep. the, the bass. And so it's a higher pitch too. And they're playing that, but you could be playing in the first or second and they would harmonize with each other. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes it depends. So okay. like the best I would say example I can give is like, you know, Hotel California, mm-hmm. the end guitar solo. Okay. There's two guitarists. Okay. They're playing the same riff, mm-hmm. but in different keys or something like that. But that's a good example of harmonizing on or the guitar. Or if you have like a lead guitar yeah. and a rhythm guitar and they're playing together, but they're not. And again, I'll go back to Dave because like Dave plays with Tim Reynolds and the two of them will play and Tim's way more lead guitar and Dave's way more rhythm guitar. So that's but just rhythm harmonize. and lead. Yeah. But if they're on, you know, two different scales, see, this is music theory, which I should really take a class. Also, I really want to like take a guitar lesson and learn more in depth about scales because I, like I said, I want to solo. I just want to do all the things. Um, <laughs> But it's, it's really neat. Like all of the musicians that I know, like I'll give an example. And if he's listening, sorry to call you out, Kev. But Kevin in my band, for example, mm-hmm. he can play any instrument. He can play mandolin, keys, drums, guitar, bass, you name it. And the reason why he's able to do that, lots of practice, number one. Number two, he knows all of his scales. He knows all of his notes. So I feel like if you are really adaptable and know all of your music theory basically i think you're capable of that but someone like me who doesn't read music doesn't know squat about scales or notes or anything 
just shouting out like I know how to play a G if you tell me it's a G I'll play a G right Mm -hmm. but someone like me I'm just a one trick pony with the guitar where I can do rhythm and you just tell me what the notes are and and I'll play it so if you say G like you can play the standard G you know like up on the second and third fret but then you can work your way down and there's G's all the way down the fretboard right Mm -hmm. so you know pretty much from top to bottom from one to what 15th string is it 15 frets? Not strings, frets. To get to the bass, 18? I think there's. I usually want to get to like 12. I don't count. I want to say there's 15 to 18 frets. Okay. So if you're playing down, like you see all the, the guys with like, you know, the electric guitar soloing down in like the 15th to 18th fret. Yeah. They're like, right, you know, barely getting their fingers in there. Um, So d- are you comfortable going on on most of your notes from fret one all the way say to fret 15 or 18 with a capo yeah okay and capo <laughs> allows you to do different pitches too right? yeah so capo like if i play a song later mm-hmm. i use a capo is it easier if you pull your guitar out and talk as you have your guitar in your hand yeah let me grab it okay because i feel like this would make more sense because you keep looking at it and i'm like i know she's like itching just to like it's sometimes easier you can just point it out and then i'm again you're talking to someone who's not very skilled and that is uh I love listening to music. My my music knowledge is very poor. So here's the guitar, and here's my capo. And and I I'll let you explain. I know what a capo is, but I'll let you explain it. But you're gonna explain the purpose of a capo. Yeah. Way better than I ever could. I'll put these headphones back on. Okay. So with the guitar, now let's just make sure we we're right. Do you have enough room back there? Okay. Okay, there's 20 frets actually. And, so. <laughs> well, and I guess what I was saying, so you're 12, you actually have 14 frets above the bass. Yeah. Because very, I mean, I'm assuming very rarely are you fretting um, to the bass of the guitar. Yeah. So what the dot, are you talking about these dots here? Yeah. So like the double is a 12, right? So the double would be a seven right here. And then you're, so it goes like three, five, seven. And then you have your nine, but your 12 also has two dots right yeah. there. That's your 12th. Yeah. And then, so you have 14 above. I don't even know what it's called. The body of the guitar? The neck. So the actual, yeah, so the neck, but the fretboards that are exposed, there's 14 frets. And if people want to know yes. what frets are in guitar, it's like if you ever flip the guitar and you see the bars coming down, those are all, like those little rectangle shapes are all different frets. The frets are what you use to change the key. So let me, let's play a G. Oh my God, I hope this is tuned. It sounds good. I mean, G. that sounds like a G. And then you put a capo on it. You put it on the fret. We're going to go on the first fret, which I believe this is like a half step. So, so it it's changes sa- it. So the same note. So what are you doing as you're going down? So now we have it on fret three. It just gets higher. So technically, like if you're if you're playing with somebody who knows their music theory and mm-hmm. is like really keen on the notes, when you go up with the capo, that really wouldn't be a G anymore. There's It's like a different note, mm-hmm. but you're playing a G chord. Basically. Yes. And that makes sense. I know there's yeah. there's like some very, yeah, it could go to, I don't know, I'm just, this is probably totally wrong, but like it could go to like a D sharp or something. Yeah. But it's the same same shape of the hand. And I that's why I always get so intimidated playing with people that like know their stuff because mm-hmm. of, when they shout out what key it's in, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm so, I'm so underqualified. <laughs> no, and that, so... Well, I mean, I look at like people that got their start. Like I, I think of someone like Justin Bieber or I look at someone like Ed Sheeran. Like a lot of these guys started like 
online. Yeah. And they started just kind of jamming and just have grown into Taylor Swift. Same thing. Like, yeah. Like I would, it's like Taylor Swift, because she started out as country, but she always had very simplistic, her old music. I, don't, I haven't listened to her in years. I know she's like selling out worldwide, but she's got, her music's evolved, but like her old school, like teardrops on my guitar was very sh- simple strumming patterns. It's simple strumming, simple chords all around. And I, and I would say, you know, if you, and I don't know how she is, but she's definitely a sing, she's a songwriter, but mm-hmm. then I think she's, you know, a, from a guitar standpoint, I would say is more on the basic, like kind of rhythm, but lower scaled. Is that true? You think? I think that's true. And that would also be the same for me. Okay. And that's why I kind <laughs> yeah. of brought her up. Cause you I yeah. feel like you have like the Taylors, the Taylors, uh, Swifts yeah. and LaValleys, but I feel like you have a very si- similar style of of guitar playing and songwriting and stuff. And I don't, and again, Taylor Swift, maybe because her position is way better at song theory than I give her credit for, but I don't know. She seems similar to like teardrops on my guitar, Tim McGraw, like all yeah. those old, old songs, like probably about the time you picked up a guitar, she was putting those out. Oh yeah. I was, I'm still a Swifty. Um, so my biggest thing is like, I could probably, I've learned a couple of tricks here and there. Do I know what notes or keys they are? No, but I play them. Um, but is that I can give you better. Is that a little bit better? Oh yeah, that's okay. great. I want to give you. I'm, Thank I'm you. fine. I got. I got plenty of space back here. <laughs> so for me, like, I do try to keep it simple because, like I said, singing and strumming at the same time isn't always like super easy, right? So I focus more on the melody and the lyrics, and then the guitar is just it's accompaniment. Like I, I don't do much on this. But that's why I love playing with people who know what they're doing because, like, for example, um, you know, the songs that I recorded with my band live for the last album, um, we basically went into a room together and I played the songs on my acoustic and then they just kind of picked it up because they understand all of the the notes and things like that. You know, I could never do that. So when you... when. So right now, like, what what's your setup for music? Like, solo, band, like, who do you play with right now? Yeah, so I do solo. Um, I love playing solo because you can do requests and things like that. Um, I play a trio, which is with my two guitarists in my band, uh, Kevin and Tom. Mm-hmm. And then I play with a full, we're a full five-piece. Uh, it's myself. Kevin does keys, mandolin, guitar. We got... Uh, Ryan Finney on the bass, um, Jason Monto on the drums, and then Tom Longwear on guitar. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and do you have a preference on what's, what you like playing with better? Like five, three, one? Um, or is it just different? It's different. It hits different every time. You know, I would obviously say playing full band really does it for me. I okay. love it. Um, and then I love trio too. I think it just depends on the venue or the the people that you're playing for. So, and then solo, I love playing solo, you know, but it does get lonely. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, because um, you practice mostly by yourself, right? So when you yeah. get together with these bands, so if the three piece or the five piece band, like how often do you guys get together and play? And like, are these all professional musicians? Do they play as like a side gig, but have, you know, regular day jobs or like, yeah. So a couple of them are retired. Um, one of them is retiring soon, but he works, uh, 
Another one does carpentry up in Lake Placid. And then another one. These are dope. Yeah. Oh, cool. Is it, this is your, you, right? Yeah. I'm assuming. Okay. Um, so sorry, we, sorry, we all, going. we all pretty much had day jobs, um, except for the ones that just retired. Um, but you know, I think it's tough sometimes to all get together cause we just like have our own lives. Mm-hmm. Like quite frankly, we do not get together as often as we probably should, but um, because we've been playing together for so long, like I've been playing with this band that I'm with now for, I don't know, since I was 18 or 19. So we've been playing together so long that when we get together, it just is like, it we works. pick up. Yeah. Um, so I guess, do you find that there's one that's harder than the other? Out of like solo trio full band? Yeah. I mean, just like. Like you said, solo is tough because you're by yourself, but do you find that that's actually harder for you or do you find like it gets lonely, but like I can do whatever I want. I can change stuff because the band you have to, I'm assuming you're playing off of each other a little bit and someone's taking kind of a lead. Yeah. So solo, the thing that I like about solo is I can play up to four hours solo. It's a lot. It's a lot. Right. But the thing is, is it goes by very fast because, um, is that practice or performing? Performing. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. So I'll do four hours solo, um, four hours with band or four hours with trio. Um, I used to only do two hours solo because of just the amount of material that I knew. I I didn't want to like have to repeat songs. Um, but the more and more that you play, I started and it doesn't work for everybody. Not everybody likes doing requests. It's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. It truly is. Um, but I find that in order to build up my repertoire, so to speak, uh, I do requests. So the first hour and a half is, you know, I'll just shoot out originals and random songs that I've been working on just to get them out, get them out of the way, fill that hour and a half in. Um, when I come back from break, before I go on break, I say next hour is going to be request hour. Um, so if there's an artist or a song that you can think of, um, let me know, you know, um, I look up as long as I've heard the song before and I can look up chords to like visually see what I need to play. I can pull out out of my, my butt. Okay. Typically, you know, sometimes like I got a guy that, I don't know. He asked me to like play some, I can't remember the name of the song, but it was like a jam song. And I'm like, sir, like I literally strum. I don't know how to do all of the the, the things. Um, So, I didn't say that to him, but that was my thoughts internally. I was freaking out. I'm like, I can't do that song. And it sucks when they like throw a 20 in your guitar case with the expectation that you're definitely going to like do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I like had to go up to the table and be like, hey, um, I said, I don't know what this song is. I'm truly so sorry. And he goes, play, play this artist. And so like, I'll look up the artist and. I don't know. I have a very eclectic music listening, um, so I can pick up on just about any song. But there's some songs that they throw out there. I'm like, this is not anything I'm familiar with at all. But um, see, I told so, you I ramble. That, no, you're but <laughs> but so, basically, solo, you have more room to try different things and just like fill in the space. As a band, you want to have your set straight. You want to know what parts this person's playing. You want to know what key you're playing it in because if you all start in different keys, it's not good. Um, 
And you also just want to make sure that you're tight, like coming in at the same time. But that's the beauty of having played with each other for so long that we don't even ha- like we have so much fun. Like we don't even have to think about it. So so when you're playing it, and this is, I've seen enough bands play and they're all jamming and someone's doing a solo and someone kind of steps back and it's just strumming lightly and then someone's I'm, taking That the would be me. I'm okay. the strumming lightly. <laughs> so people are doing that and then you might see it like build and all of a sudden next thing you know, everybody comes in at the same beat yep. and you're just like, how, which it's, it's obviously not, you know, when someone like plays a song and a band plays a song and they'll go into another song and then they'll loop back into the song and they just play it. And I'm going by jam bands here, but they come back in like three songs later, but they finished the song. They started like before this whole thing happened. So and, they probably use measures. Okay. So they'll probably just have like a conversation or if they've rehearsed, be like, we're going to do like eight measures of this and then go into this part. We'll do eight measures of this and go into this part and so okay. on and so forth. So, so it's pre-planned typically. Typically, I would think. Because I just watch them and they'll like, and I'm like, they keep going around. The, like they'll keep playing the same, you know, uh, riff or same little, you know, set of measure over and over again. And then all of a sudden, like five or six times in, then they'll go into something different. Mm-hmm. I'm always amazed. And I'm like, are they like, winking at each other nodding at each other sometimes it's it's instrumental cues so for example like sometimes the drummer will just do like one off beat or something that will be like to everybody else okay Okay. we're gonna change it up now um or somebody playing guitar can just do like one little riff where that riff they know when they hear that it's time to change change it up and and it could still be in the same key so the audience doesn't know any different and the band's like okay that's our sip so maybe it's like let the let the, let the keys, the guy in the keys, maybe play for like two minutes and he'll do something weird or maybe like the drummer could hit something to be like, okay, dude, stop. Like, let's go into something different. Yeah. And he just solos until he hears a cue from somebody Pretty and then much. they go into it. Okay. Because yeah. I know like when we're playing as a band, if our guitarist Tommy is just feeling it that night mm-hmm. and wants to like keep going, keep going, you know? And then sometimes our drummer will like do a little hi-hat or something, mm-hmm. I don't know, to change it up just to kind of give the cue that okay, let's, let's get it going. Okay. Yeah. I've always wondered that because I'm like, mm-hmm. there's gotta be, there's like, there's something very simple. There's a simple answer. And yeah. in my head, I'm like, I don't know, they just magically read each other's minds or something. Yeah. So, um, but so like, as you go around and someone's jamming, you said you're going to go and just kind of like, you're playing, you know, the, the chords or whatever, but it's very soft. You're letting that person take the lead and you're just kind of filling in that like harmonizing or whatever with them. Yep. And then, you know, like, okay, now we're swinging back around the horn to Taylor and then you can do whatever with that or maybe play louder if you're not necessarily, you know, I, I guess going into a lead or something like that or shredding yeah. on the guitar, but yeah. you could take the lead again at some point, even if it's just rhythm. Yeah. You okay. could just do like a heavier rhythm or that's when strumming, strumming patterns are huge. If you don't mm-hmm. know how to solo, if you can, like I'll give an example, yep. like I don't know how to solo. So if somebody came to me and was like, you do something, I'd probably go like, Just like something funkier than just like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're adding, and for people that can't see her, you're just, kind of explain, actually, you're way better at this. Explain the technique you were just doing so people that can't see kind of what you mean. Yeah. So like regular strumming, it's just down, down, up, down, 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 up, down, down, up, down. So like that. That guitar sounds very good, by the way. Thank you. 
See, I told you Martin's Martin. Martin so nice. is good. But yeah. It's like it's got a great like full sound. Yeah. And then for the funkier thing, I'm just they call it chucking. Okay. So just so I'm pressing my fingers down and lifting in the same time that I'm strumming. So, so it's kind of like a little bit of a mute. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So um like so when I when I was learning to play, I was like I really like Jack Johnson. Jack does a lot of that. He does yeah. a lot of like slapping down. Yeah. And I kinda got I used to I don't know if I could do it anymore, but I used to play and it'd be like you'd slap down a little bit. Jason Mraz did a lot of that. Yep. Like you kinda had that little because those guys are rhythm guitar players. They're not soloing out, so they're but they make it sound like that. It's like, okay, this is like yep. kind of poppy, but it's just chords. So that's pretty much what I, I have to do to and that sounded great. So like, no, but nobody would really know the difference. And it's just a certain vibe that or sound yeah. versus someone just like, you know, playing over the fretboard and their fingers are all, you know, basically moving very fast. Like you weren't moving your fingers very fast. It was just like a lot more up and down and in place, but yeah. you could emulate that sound. For sure. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. I like that. Well, thanks. So, <laughs> but, but like I said, it's just, it's how you use it. And I think, um, you know, as you play the guitar more, you get more comfortable, but then like you said, you, you just... Your ears better, your hands are better, just like, and you're talking subtle, subtle movements. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you're talking like just slowly lifting off a little bit of pressure, but it makes all the difference. But you have that kind of body awareness, like you said, that muscle memory where you just know, even though it's slight, yep. it makes a massive difference. For sure. And the thing too is, I get this a lot. People will be like, why do you pl- like always have your eyes shut when you're playing? Or like, you know. I just, I'm trying to concentrate, I guess, Mm -hmm. but also like sometimes when you're getting into like the funkier strumming patterns and stuff, you just like, you really just have to feel it. It's just. I I think, because a lot of people talk like music is like the, um, the worldwide language because, you know, a G chord here is the same in Australia. I don't know, like all over the world, right? Like music doesn't change. Music and math. Math, there we go. Um, so <laughs> I was going to say, like, unless you're like talking feet and meters and yards and stuff, but it's all numbers. It's yep. just how they use it. So, but if you look at um, people playing music and they're, you know, all over the world and they're playing it, like, people, like, if you go listen to someone play like Spanish music in Spain, you're going to get a different vibe versus like, uh, um, you know, maybe music in like Eastern Europe or music in South America or music, you know, in LA. Yep. But you're going to be able, like, you just feel a rhythm. And I find that people that play music, no matter where they're from, especially if they come together and you kind of see those collaborations and stuff, it's still music. And I feel that anybody that's musical, like you said, it's a feel. And I even find, like, I love listening to live music. So if I go to live music and I listen to live music, I'm not playing anything, but you'd feel it. And, like, especially when someone just, like, they're just in a groove, but you can just feel it's like a beat and a pattern. And I can't explain it, but it does... It's like, it's good for the soul. It's like, it's a good, um, I, I don't know. I, th- I just think mu- people need music in their life and I want to play it. It's like a aspiration of mine at some point to be like proficient at the guitar, not perform, yeah. but just be proficient for like fun and just play and strum. Um, because I find it's, uh, anytime I played guitar, it was three hours would go by and it's like, a, you know, you'd snap your fingers and three hours goes by. Cause it like, yeah. it, it like transports you and it's very like, melodic and it just kind of it's almost like hypnosis like you kind of just go into the space and you're just playing and you're practicing the same notes and you're focusing and concentrating and like i want to get that chord switch or i want to get that finger placement and or or hand structure and you do it and do it and do it and do it and all of a sudden you're like oh my god it's now five o'clock i've been playing since one o'clock i don't that must happen to you it does i have a like a little makeshift home recording studio Mm -hmm. and i'd be like like our daughter will be napping and i'll be like yeah i'm gonna go in there and 
and do some stuff, yeah. you know? So like I'll record or just anything that I have an idea on. I, I like to track it. So I remember it. I can go back on it, maybe build on it if I feel like it. Um, but I spent like four hours one day just like tinkering around with things, trying new loop sounds, everything, you know, vocals and then building harmonies on the vocals. But it's just crazy. Like, I guess it's anything that you feel passionate about or you're like really into. Um, the time flies. It really does. So how do you, um, so now you, you, and I think you, you told me this, you're now a full-time musician. This is like your gig. You do this. And then obviously a mom, which is a full-time job in itself. So, um, <laughs> how do you, cause you talked about this, like how do you balance the two of them? Because practice takes time. You know, you can't just practice for 30 minutes and be good for the day. And then, uh, my wife stays, she stays at home with the kids and does, you know, tries to work around it too and it's it's a balancing act for sure so yeah. like how 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 do you do it like what's your process or hacks or anything that you like ah oh, this is this is how I get by yeah well I will start off by saying that like um I started off working like a full-time you know eight to five job um balancing the eight to five job stressful job and then playing music after work sometimes or on the weekends and then being a mom on top of it. Wow. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like insane stuff. So, you know, now that I'm just doing music and mom full time, I don't find that it's incredibly taxing, really. Mm -hmm. um, I found ways to kind of involve her a little bit. So like she's obsessed with like baby shark, bear hunt. I mean, any of those little like nursery rhyme songs she's mm -hmm. obsessed with. So she'll drag, not this guitar. We have like a little knockoff guitar that is banged up, but she'll like drag it, bring it to me and be like, mommy, sing. So. She's so sing I, Baby Shark to her? Yeah. 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 So like <laughs> I try to involve her, um, you know, when she's napping, I'll work on music stuff. Um, in the summertime, it's really nice because I can like bring her to shows with family. Of course, mm -hmm. I'm not just like, stay back there kid who's, who's the kid running around yeah like, whose oh, kid is that it's taylor's um <laughs> but it's just so fun like bringing her to those things one thing that i really want to do is like bring her to a concert that would be fun but um i just i think that there's so much like pressure on young moms to like do all the things mm -hmm. and it's not even from people it's like from ourselves we're like if we can't do x y and z then we're like failing mm -hmm. right um but I took one of those things out of the equation and I feel like it made a massive difference. But even when I was working full time doing the music and the mom thing, the best way to juggle all of that is just priorities. So like Charlotte was my priority, mm -hmm. you know, calling into work if I felt like I needed a mental health day or like just a bonding day with my kid, like you have to. So one of the things that I've looked at, um, I spoke about it before too, and I told you we'll get in the business stuff here because I think. Yeah. Um, but you, <laughs> the uh, the idea of like doing too much, and one of the things that I've really been reading a lot and focusing a lot, and listening to podcasts, and just experimenting with over the last probably eighteen, yeah, I'd say about eighteen months, is the idea of like you said prioritizing, but realizing that you can't do everything, so you have to let things go, and you have to limit, and you have to kind of like less, like you need less in your life, and. Less doesn't mean like less where I sit around and do nothing, which, and and by nothing, I mean everything's good. Like mm -hmm. nothing could be 
like I like reading, could be just sitting down for two hours and just reading a book that I want to read. And that's not nothing, but it's relaxing and it like yeah. refreshes me. And if your refreshing is like sitting down and playing guitar for two hours outside in the backyard in the sun, then like that's good for the soul. Again, it makes you a better person. But like mom, I'll go back. Mom, I think is always going to be the hardest job in the world, no matter what. Like I'm dad, dad's hard, mom's harder. Like it just, it is. And um, <laughs> like my wife, I don't know what I do without like my wife being mom, but it's the, the idea of like trying to balance all of that. And you just realize like you're, you know, you're constantly, we live in a different world now where you're constantly connected and things are constantly flying at you at a faster rate. Like people have, if people want to reach you, they can reach you. Mm-hmm. They have phone, computer, whatever. They can reach out um, where, you know, and, and same thing in my business, like I've had to put boundaries and parameters where I just like, it's like, and it's, it's not like I tell clients like this or that, but like meant it could be me. Like, I just don't check my phone then. Maybe I have my phone on do not disturb. Maybe I'm, you know, blocking off certain times in my day to I call time blocking, but I just work on a project this morning. I worked on something for four hours. Then I, then I finally called clients for about an hour and then we had this podcast. It was yeah. perfect because I got a lot done of big projects that for me are priority and take are going to have a bigger impact than me sending out a couple emails. Now, going back to, like you said, if you have three full-time things going on, even if music was a part-time, it's not because in my eyes, because you, like I'm just looking at your website. Like, do you have an agent or someone that does all this or is this really self? That's all me. Um, A lot of... A lot of, um, I mean, YouTube is really the MVP here for because <laughs> I've learned, how to do it? yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like a lot of, I just I want to be able to say I did it myself, kind of thing. And uh, oh, that's a really cool photo right there. That was from the, is that the um, strand. Yep, that was from the recording of Soundscapes for uh, Mountain Lake PBS. Wow, that's just a cool photo. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if you're doing all this, cause this is the thing, if you, if you go to a nine to five and, um, you were an employee at the nine to five, right? It wasn't like a business you ran or anything. No, just an employee. Yeah. So when you go, you have a certain level of like, you can leave at five and pretty much work kind of stays at work. But, um, this doesn't like, this is probably in your head 24 seven. But also the job that I was in wasn't like, it wasn't like a leave work at work. Like, um, it could come home with you. Yeah. Cause okay. like, so I was a recruiter and. Great job. Love yep. that job. But the thing is, is you're always at someone's beck and call, like mm-hmm. always. So it could be 10 p.m. and somebody wants to call on the next day. You better make sure you saw that message or else it's going to be like a no call, no show for that person. Gotcha. Those sorts of things. So it was with that kind of job and then also doing music, people always messaging like sweet things, you know, but also it's wanting to be the yes person for everybody Mm -hmm. and do all the things. Um, Yeah. So that's why I feel like just doing music is like the right move for me right now because things like are increasing as far as like gigs and um, yeah. Do you, um, do you find, was it it, like how overwhelming was it doing all three? juggling all three like was it the point because you said like there's days I just got to take off days I want to just hang out with my kid like Mm -hmm. did you find that it was affecting your mood day to day or affecting your life or are you like you dreaded going to work or you dreaded going to gigs or you dreaded you know god forbid but you dreaded like your kid waking up in the like to come play with you kind of thing you're like oh can't you sleep a little bit longer because I need more time like what did it affect any of those things oh for sure 100 percent um I think 
Well, mental health is like a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of people and especially after COVID. So, um, but for me, I, I'm a people pleaser. So anytime somebody's reaching out to me, I used to be that person that right away I was like, I was there messaging back. Um, now I'm like, my friends know me as like the world's worst texter because I'm just like, I don't have the energy for that right now. Like, I know you just want to talk, but I, I can't like Mm -hmm. my mind's somewhere else. So, um, there was a lot of times where I'd wake up in the morning and not to get sappy, but listen, I think a lot more people struggle with this and, um, go through things behind closed doors where you think everything's perfect and you're smiley, happy. Like I could be that person all the time, but, um, like I remember being so stressed at one point, like I called my husband on my lunch, like two days in a row crying in my car. Cause I'm like, I just can't, like, I'm so stressed. Mm-hmm. Like all the things just hitting me at once. Um, so yeah, like when you already deal with mental health and then you add the stresses of like a really intense job on top of a mildly intense <laughs> career perspective to being a mom yeah um well again kind of what i ended up looking at too is that we had three kids in basically three years like three years and two weeks you have that many kids yeah i didn't know that yeah so we had but we ended up going from december 17th we had no kids to january 2021 we had three kids so like we and they like december of 17 to january of 21 so really it's like it was three months or three years and two weeks, literally. Like Irish triplets. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. So we, we had, so all my kids are really young. So I have, um, they're all, like I said, within three years and two weeks of from youngest to oldest. Um, and my daughter's in the middle. But what happened was as I got more kids and when they were younger, it wasn't, you know, it was, it was different because you had more kids, but I had like one kid and, you know, they sleep and things and they're, yeah. you know, they're a little bit, um, you can only do so much at a young age. You still hang out with them and play with them, but they're not as needy as at, at that young age. So, and then they start growing and they have personalities and they want to do stuff. And, you know, then there's more entertaining, which is a blast. And then what I found was I was very high level at work in a good way. I mean, I hit all my goals. I was growing quite a bit. I reached like arguably, well, I mean, I was the top agent in the area. So like I did all the stuff I wanted to do as an agent. And it was great. And and then I realized, like, as the kid family stuff got more chaotic, I was like, I don't want to have as much on my mind when I go home. I don't want to have as much. Um, I used to get anxiety of, like, I'm not doing – like, I still got the stuff to do at work. But, like, I then I have to hang out with my kids. Not, not that – I should say I have to. I Like, I want to hang out with my kids. But then it's like I'm hanging out with my kids. But then but I have you want to be present. You don't correct. want all these things. In and then mind. and in my head, I'm like, I don't want this two hours to rush by. But in my back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I, like I can't wait to go put that fire out or go finish something else. And I, I, I basically was like a lot of like reflecting and thinking and you know, kind of looking at my life and like I, it wasn't how I wanted to live my life and my thing was okay then I went on a tear of like now this is where I'm really at is how can I get super efficient and this is actually a great thing because it was like how do I get super efficient in my job where I'm putting in less input but I'm having a greater output and I've done a ton of research and a ton of you know like I said podcasts and videos and reading books and talking to people and coaching and everything else and I've gotten better at it 
still not where I want it to be, but I'm on a better pathway where now I'm like, this was great because what it did is it took my like, like I still have very high ambitions, but I've added very like strict pillars and and, uh, boundaries in my life where I'm like, no, I'm not going to punt this kid thing. Like I'm getting home quicker or earlier than I ever have. Like my weekends, like I've like most of my friends are like, I don't bother Galen on the weekend. Cause like weekends for me are like home. Like I will go home and I will stay at home all weekend long. Cause like it's two full days of just like my wife and my kids and obviously evenings and stuff too. But, um, I've really limited my schedule down to really balance around them. So then it's like, when do you find time for all the other stuff? Well, because I've put boundaries in and it forces me to adapt. So then it forces me to, okay, so what can I let slip? Well, you let the non-priorities, which I'm the same as you, we're people pleasers. So there's a million things that were like, I got to respond to that person or this person wants to do this or like, cause I'm in an agent business. So people reach out all hours of the day. Yeah. But then it's like, someone just texts me at seven o'clock and I, and I look at it and I'll read it. And I'm like, if I respond now, or if I respond tomorrow at nine, nothing's going to change with this person. So I will respond tomorrow at nine. And I kind of look at it as I've gotten, I'm okay with letting things slide and I'm learning to um, kind of embrace the chaos of letting some things slide because it's allowing me to, you know, focus on certain aspects. And there's certain things I've turned down. There's certain things, there's projects and things I would love to do that I haven't done it. I know I've probably pissed some people off because I've, I'm not as active in their event or fundraiser or whatever as I they might want me to be, but I'm like, I've really prioritized two things in my life. It's like my family and then it's like one main thing in my business that's going to elevate the family kind of thing. And then all the yeah. extra stuff that would be cool to do, we'll have a time and a place in the future. And I've learned and I call it the season of your life. Like I'm in a, you're in the same boat. We're both in the seasons of our life with like young kids. So, and we have high ambitions and we're, I, it sounds like we're both, we want to achieve a lot. But we also realize we're human. We also realize like our bandwidth is only so big and, yeah. and wide. And really, like if I'm have X, if my bandwidth is like a certain uh, volume that I can fit in there. Like I'm making sure it's mostly filled with my wife, my kids, and my main parts of my business that I feel are important. And all the other stuff, I'm fine with letting it slide because there'll be a day in time where my three kids don't need me as much as they need me now, and they're not going to care. Like. They want they want me to read with me. Like they're probably a few years away from wanting to just go in the room and read by themselves. So I'm like, to me, I'm like, I'm okay with punting all of my ambitions and stuff out a handful of years to enjoy this time. Because what I don't want is regret. Like ten years down the road, because I hear people talk about this all the time. Like I wish I would have done this, and I'm like, I don't want that. Like I want to make I want to be like good. Where if I get you know, ten years down the road, my youngest will be twelve. So like. When he's 12, same thing. They're probably not going to want to be with me all the time. And they won't need me to like cut their food up for them and do all the stuff that we do as parents. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at that point, then I'm going to have more free time. Like I might be carting them around and driving them around doing stuff, but I'm going to have more time to myself to do these kind of projects and have time to make a phone call or do something. But my kid wants to play with his blocks or something, then it's like, no, you know what? My phone will go in my room. I'll hang out with my kid. And it's a better trade-off, even if the short-term business is a like I would say it's not a loss it's like a short term maybe not as accomplishing as much but then on the family side I am and I've gotten more into like the psychology of kids and the way that like um, kids act now versus how they'll act as adults and things that I've picked up where I'm like you can I don't want to say screw up a kid but you can have lasting impact on a kid now that's going to last with them forever yeah definitely and a lot of it is like in my eyes selfish if there's stuff that I do 
where it's like, I'm thinking more of myself than my kids. And I struggle with it, but it's something that's on very much at the top of my, um, my brain kind of thing or more front of front brain kind of, or I guess front brain, you know what I mean? It's more like the forefront, <laughs> forefront a better word, forefront of my brain. So I put more focus and emphasis on it, but I want to make sure like now they don't have like maybe the resentment towards me or maybe these issues with like dad wasn't there for me or something where it's like, that's more important to me now versus like selling a few more homes or being at more events or like maybe making more money. So I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm fine with that because my life isn't as crazy as it was a few years ago, even though, like I said, certain things I've, I've given up business, you know, growth in my business or financial growth, but I've grown way more on the personal family side, which at the end of the day is way better anyways, which yeah. is what I look at like it's better. And I find that like my family is what kind of grounds me a little bit. Um, because before, before I met my husband, before I had our daughter, like anytime somebody called me and was like, Hey, we have a benefit, uh, tomorrow. Can you come and play? Yeah, I'll be there. No problem. But I've found that it really is about prioritizing family and those things. I've had to turn down a lot of like a lot, a lot of gigs or fundraisers or things. And it's even times where I may not be playing or something, but I've been playing every other weekend and I really would like to just chill with my family or, Mm -hmm. you know, go to dinner with my husband. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like he deserves it too, though. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so like he works all week. So at the end of the week, I don't want to play this gig because I know that it's important for him and I to like go have this dinner or just like watch love is blind together. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? His choice I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, so yeah, I think a lot of it is just boundaries is a really good word to use. Um, boundaries with people and also just prioritizing. Um, I think that, um, the biggest thing too, though, is like support system. So like, I can imagine that your wife is like your go-to support person. Yeah. And my absolutely. husband is too. Like, um, like I said, I would call him on my lunch breaks sobbing because I'm just like so stressed and mm-hmm. I'm like an emotional cancer anyway, not to sound corny, but like cancers, we, we suck. We are emotional. Oh, like suckers. cancer, like you're like birth year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm an emotional cancer. So I think that if it wasn't for having him, someone like him, you know, he gets frustrated with life too and mm-hmm. gets overwhelmed. But I think that we balance each other out and, you know, family time is, is the number one thing for sure. Yeah. And I think you need, you need that. Um, I actually had this conversation yesterday. My wife's actually going for um, sport, sport and performance. I'm going to actually get this correct this time. She's going right now. She's in her master's program for sport and performance psychology. So she was a psych major at Plattsburgh, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, whether it's athletes or performers, like you'd be in the performer category. And actually, one of her best friends in the program is um, a music teacher out in, like, the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And she's going for performance anxiety for people that play music. music. So whether it's a student or professional musician, like, oh, my God, there's a lot of people out there or whatever. I feel like there's going to be great business in that because I feel like anybody who's a musician or, like, creative, Mm -hmm. like myself, like, needs some TLC. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I think I, well, I think also from a society, there's two things. Like one, I think it's talked about more where I think people have always had it. You've know, had issues, but I think people were like either, um, what's the word? Like uh, 
they didn't want to talk about it or they felt it was soft or they felt that they were they had to just like buck up and like you know you know step up to the plate and do whatever and i also think there's a level of just the way society is now that we didn't like i'm a little bit older than you but we're in the same kind of generation like we didn't have you know the social media stuff right at the fingertips and we didn't have the connectivity of like phones and and the internet and and dms and all these crazy things that people can ping you all over at any time of the day and i think over over time just the way that society has been more interconnected which is great but you're if you're always on, you don't have that natural like eight to five. Now from five to eight, I just kind of home and I can pick and choose what I want to do. But there is a big um, barrier that that allows or a big block that allows me to keep away incoming, you know, reactive kind of uh, correspondence to people. So I think that a mixture of all that is now the point where like you do now really have to proactively take the time. To make time for yourself, proactively take the time to, um, like Friday. Friday was our, I say honeymoon. Friday was our anniversary. <laughs> so I was like, um, I almost called the wrong thing. Felt Fri- like your honeymoon. It, yeah. Well, <laughs> kind, the best we could do with three kids, exactly. Yeah. So we ended up having. Um, so we ended up. I took Friday off, and I, I, you know, it was great. And my mom came over, and because it was school break all the kids were home so my mom was great she watched all three kids me and my wife went out to we actually went to Aleka's because with three kids you know you can only travel so far for whatever so it was good so we went to Aleka's and then i I crushed one of the sangria things which was great solid choice and i've been there yeah with the sangria yes so (laughs) it was good so long and then we ended up like driving around after Cause we're like, we kind of have like a little bit of time and it was like a nice day out. So we walked a little bit and then we like just drove randomly around the town and just like got the talk and we were together for like maybe three hours, like just the two of us middle of the day. So basically I got like, I like day drink and hung out with my wife on a Friday and it was perfect. Like, and it was the most like relaxing, like, and then it went right into the weekend, but it was a good, like, like pause during like a random pause you don't normally get, right. but it was like, it was nice cause it refreshed you and you had like more energy and it was like, oh, this is, this is nice. Like I, you know, we see each other a lot, but we don't get like the one-on-one time a lot. It's like you said, going out to dinner doesn't usually happen. Like going to events, but with each other doesn't usually happen. So, you know, if we can carve out those random days, like it does give you this like, you know, a little bit of energy, but it's also just kind of like let your mind just chill for a bit and turn yeah. off, like turn off in a good way, like distractions yep. and just focus on like your your spouse or, you know, whatever. And you do the same with kids for sure, but it's like, it's just important that you have that. Yeah. And, and I've been considered a full-time musician probably for about, well, I've always done music, but full-time, like the only thing that I'm doing right now, um, last couple months and I've been home. So my husband broke his job back in February. So he was out of work for a hot minute because obviously you can't talk and he, he's, Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um, we're still in the middle of it. So it's, it's been a long haul, but, um, so like, wasn't working he broke his jaw and then so he was home like every day all day so I couldn't imagine like me being at a job all day Mm -hmm. him being home by himself like every day for a month you know um but it's been really nice like when you're talking about like these random breaks like all these things just kind of happen like like one after the other so um him Charlotte my daughter and I like have had some real like one-on-one time with each other home every day. Like last week was awesome with the weather. I'm yeah. like, this, 
this is nice. I can get used to this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just so love it. Now that you're, um, you know, now that you're like full, full time, like I'd say, or full, I think you put, yeah, full time commitment to music, to music. I love your answers, by the way. You had, um, you did a great job on these. So you're full, I didn't know you're what full to put. I was like, um, I guess I'll put this. You know, what actually gets more excited is Jen when she gets these back. She's like, oh my God, this person like filled out. She goes, they're great. Like, so yeah. it was good. But, um, so now that you're a full time musician, like, what's life look like going forward as like, you know, the full-time music, but like gig wise, like how have you focused on that part of your, that's a business. Like how have you focused on that business now, knowing that you have 40 hours more to put into it a week? Yep. So my biggest thing as a singer songwriter musician, um, I write, I try to write a song a day, which nap time is the time I'll go in, write a song. Um, cause I'm preparing to release more music hopefully towards like end of summer, early fall. Um, So I write um, as far as gigs go. Like right now I'm waiting to hear back from, I want to say it's Topsfields Fair in Massachusetts. Um, I applied for a songwriter's night event in Nashville, which I know sounds crazy, but I have family that lives there and I have the ability to go there and stay if I would need to. Um, So I applied for a songwriter's night in Nashville Um, I am going to be playing, so like the New York State Fair in Syracuse, um, I should be getting a date to play there. And then there's also like a bar down there where in the same like couple of days, I'll also play there. Okay. So before working a nine to five, like I didn't have the means to just like pick up and go, Mm -hmm. you know, um, my husband has the ability to work from home if he really needs to. So he could easily come with me. Yep. Our daughter can come with us. So my goal, um, by the end of this year, you know, I'm, I'm still like, for example, when like my daughter goes to school, like I'm going to try to do more like day stuff, maybe get like a more solid block each week to do something during the day. Mm -hmm. Um, but right now, just because it's new and exciting and Mm -hmm. I haven't really had the chance to, I'm trying to book things where I can at least travel and, and branch out more. Um, like there's a, so quite a few of my streamers come from like Connecticut, okay. which is like a really funny, like off the wall thing. Um, I don't know if it's just like this one family that just like keeps playing my songs. But so because I have like a lot of streamers in Connecticut, like I want to try and go play in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So things like that, like I'm really, I never focused on like the analytics of it before. Um, and I work, I work for a marketing team too on the side, but that's just like, that's like a fun thing for me um so I learned how to like read analytics Mm -hmm. how to really target your audience how to um just just network and market yourself the proper way rather than just slapping a post up and being like I hope this works you know so I'm trying to target what areas like I have the most listeners um to hopefully do like a little mini tour situation where I can work my way to that place and then work my way back. How do you, um, like how does bookings work or like, how do you, cause you talked about like, Hey, I want to go play this place. And I'm waiting to hear back. Like how does that process work? So for fairs, um, so like for example, our fair, it's, you just kind of reach out via email or phone call and just say, do you have any open slots? Nine times out of 10, like, cause it's our fair, like they'll reach out to me or like other local performers. So mm-hmm. That's an easy 
easy one to catch. Um, but for places like New York State Fair, um, there are thousands of artists that would try to play there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the New York State Fair. So um, there's like an application online. Um, I happen to, my mother-in-law knows the guy that does the stuff. Yep. So um, I sent my application in and it's, obviously it has to be a fair run. Mm-hmm. So not like fair as in the fair, but like fair as in equal. Equal. Yeah. Um, so I did the application, submitted everything, got an email back um, saying that they're reviewing everything, just trying to see if the stages that I applied. And I was like, any stage, any time you tell me when and where I'll be there. So I think it's just a matter of dwindling down where to put me solo. Right. So um, then there's, you know, the one in Massachusetts, it's, it's just all online applications. You're like, so with my website, that's like what I use is my like electronic press kit type of thing. Okay. So you submit your website, videos, your Spotify links, all of that um, in hopes that when they view it, you look somewhat legitimate and professional and yeah. And then as far as, you know, anywhere else gigging, um, I'm very fortunate in the fact that around here, like I have such a great support system. Like the people in this area truly are like fantastic. Um, so I, I get reached out to, to play different places and nine times out of 10, I will say yes. Um, so coming up, like for me to branch out and want to do like a mini tour, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of doing your research. Like I'm not going, cause I do like country classic rock. I can play anything that I feel would fit the bill, but to stay true to myself, it's researching what venues or bars or things like that, that I feel I would be able to be the most authentic in and like really push those is there, um, I was going to say, when it comes to like booking gigs, like how big of a venue or how small of a venue would you want to play? Like, is that just more, like, could you say, because obviously it's based off who will come see you too, yeah. right? So there's a level of like, okay, how many people do I think I can fill in a certain area? Um, is it like when you book it, does it cost you anything to book these places? Do they? Nope. So they pay you. Okay. Yeah. Um. So the thing is, is obviously if you're traveling, you just... You need to account in that sometimes what you're going to make is you're going to break even mm-hmm. basically because you still have to pay for lodging and and all of that stuff. And luckily as a business, like there's some things you can maybe write off, mm-hmm. but you can't write off the entire thing. So there needs to be an understanding that you're you're investing in yourself essentially. So when you <laughs> and I guess when I so if you say, hey, listen, I want to go play this place in Connecticut and you call up and say, can I play this place? And so you wouldn't pay them, but they would have to, something would have to be valuable enough for them to say, yeah, come on in. Cause we like, we like you or maybe like, eh, we don't think you're going to sell anybody. Right. So it's. So the, the best thing to do, um, cause like I know like Giovanina and stuff like they mm-hmm. go, she goes and tours different areas. I think the main thing to do is do your research on what venues are openly looking for people. Number one, who is having live entertainment on a regular basis. Um, then it's reaching out to them. Maybe saying, hey, like I, I have music that's out um, and we have a lot of streamers in your area that, you know, we're listening and enjoying the music um, in this area. So we feel like if we promote it the right way, we can get X amount of people to, to show up basically. Or say you go somewhere where you have family and you know that they'll come. 
you know, I have this many people that would come out because they know that it's going to draw in business. I don't know if everybody does it this way. And I'm not saying that's exactly what I would say, but, um, but typically, you know, they'll be like, let me just hear your music. Like, what do you play? And as long as it's, you know, relevant to what their vibe is and everything, Mm -hmm. it typically goes over well. Um, so it's just biggest thing is do your research, find places that make sense. So when you go, um, like what size venues do you typically try to look at or what types of venues do you typically try to get into? So, you know, like Ridley's, like Mm -hmm. something like that, or just like a smidge bigger. Um, sometimes it's just, it could be a coffee shop. It could be anything like that. Um, the goal is, is cause I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily like huge or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So you have to kind of start off small and really work your way up. Um, it could be, I've played to maybe five people, but you know what? Those five people went and streamed my music. So that's all that matters. Like, so it doesn't matter how big or small the crowd is. It's the impact that you made to those people. Um, but like the goal, I'd really like to, like, I'd like to start opening for more people. Like I've opened for people at fairs before. Um, I've almost had the opportunity to open for somebody at higher ground recently, but unfortunately, unfortunately, um, they wanted a, a full band situation and I, my full band wasn't available at the time. So, um, those sorts of things will happen. So like something like higher ground. So I've been there a handful of times. And if you say you want to open for a band, do you kind of put it in the higher ground like ethos and just say like, listen, like if someone comes up that kind of matches this and they don't have an opener, can you give me a call and I can fill in? Is that kind of how that works? That's basically what I did. So um, we opened last summer in June, same day as my bridal shower. So I had to like hop, skip and jump to Vermont after that. Um, But I have a good network there. Like I know a few people that work within there and help with the booking and and stuff like that. So networking. Mm -hmm. If you are in business of any sort, networking is like your best friend. So, but also you make friends with these people and they genuinely want to see you succeed. So that's the biggest thing. Um, But I knew somebody that was doing the booking last summer and they called and asked because the person that was going to open canceled. So it's good to just send your stuff. And this was at which venue? Higher ground. It was higher ground. Okay. Yeah. So it's just good to send your stuff, even if it's a no at the time. Like it was a no at one point, but then they had a cancellation and called me and I was like, yes, mm-hmm. right away. Yeah. So that was huge. Um, and the same thing recently happened. Like I wanted to open up for her name's Stephanie Quayle. She's a singer songwriter from Nashville. She just played at higher ground. Um, but they wanted a full band to do the opening. So totally get that. I was like, are you sure you don't want somebody before the full band? Cause I'll just do like two songs. Like Mm -hmm. I don't even care. Yeah. Um, but I sent my stuff over to the person that does their marketing and booking and he was super great, super cool. And you know, is going to keep me in mind. So hopefully fingers crossed the same situation will happen as last year. Yeah. Um, no. And I, I think, uh, you know, starting out in this, you know, stuff that I did early on was like, you just kept going and like every no was fine. Even if you've gotten multiple no's from the same person to an extent, I mean, as long as you're not like overly annoying, but if you're like, Hey, every few months, just checking in, checking in, Hey, here's a new song. Like, and you're just persistent with them. Eventually they're gonna be like, Oh God, we just got to get this girl in here. Like, yeah. And if nothing else, like at least she's persistent and she's on top of her, you know, she's, uh, 
you know, if, if you're that organized and on top of your stuff, then you could kind of be counted on, you know, versus someone that's a flake and you're like, we haven't heard back from them for four weeks. Like, yeah. are they coming? And I think, um, but the perseverance aspect, like you said, if you go to, um, I did a lot of this when I was doing, starting out with social media. Like I would make a post. I'm like, eh, not a good post. And the posts get better. But then also I remember when I, I started getting like three likes to a post. I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. Yeah. And then I got like seven likes to a post. I'm like, oh my God, did you see? Because I was getting one or none, you know? And then yeah. and it was simple as that. And then you get to the point where like every post you have, you know, is getting a bunch. And I remember, um, this is obviously on a, like a more local level, but I remember starting out and like your Facebook page or whoever people follow you, whatever, was like very small. And then all of a sudden like, random people would be following you. I'm like, I don't even know who this person is, but somehow they wanted to follow me. Yeah. And it's not like, as I don't think my job is as cool as like a musician, but it's still the idea that random people are popping up and following you. And you're like, I've never heard of this person in my life. And you check and like, they're from Plattsburgh. They have a bunch of people that are similar. Yeah. But that's a good thing for my business. If they want out of all the, you know, real estate, you know, agents, if they are following me, that's probably a good thing. Same thing with you. If they're like, well, if they're listening to my music, I mean, they can listen to other people's music, but if they're following me, like that's cool versus the other, however many, you know, people they had a choice to follow. And that's why I think analytics are so important too, though, is because so like Metricool is like a very great tool. It's a, like an app you can get. Mm -hmm. It'll tell you what times are like the heaviest to post at. So like when the most people are on every day, there's different times where it'll have like the darkest block so starting to post on those blocks and it made a difference because you could post at 9 a.m but if everybody just got to work at 8 they're not going to be looking at your post Mm -hmm. until later and unfortunately people are posting throughout the day it's going to go lower and lower and lower on the totem pole so it's really just if you want to improve your business or get the following or or get the people that you want to see your stuff you really have to try and and work with those things to it's in your favor <laughs> how um when you're booking gigs how much do you book gigs um or what percentage of the gigs that you book are i'm making a profit and which portion of the gigs are you like you know what i may not be making anything or maybe losing a little bit of money based on travel and lodging and stuff but it's more from a branding or an outreach perspective because there's value in that too. Even if it's like, yeah. listen, we broke even money wise, but I played in front of a bunch of new people and they really loved it and the crowd was good and like whatever your metrics are that you look at. Yeah. What's the percentage of like monetary versus purely like this is networking or branding or exposing myself? So percentage wise, I can't say for sure, but um, I'll give you some examples. So like anytime I do a benefit, obviously – I'm doing a benefit for a cause that I feel good and passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, usually if you ask me to do a benefit, if I know what it's for and it's legitimate and it's near and dear to my heart, I'm there. So like literally any any cancer kind of fundraiser or I do hospice fundraisers, am I making any money on that? No. Is it kind of like advertising for myself? Yes, but it's not the end game. Mm-hmm. But I don't make anything on those, obviously. Um, and if anything, I spend money at them cause I'm like, want to win something I never win. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but I'm glad to help. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do feel another example I'll use is like, I did an album release party last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally, literally basically broke even because I had to pay for the venue. Yep. I paid for lights and sound because I didn't want my guys to have to worry about doing it on my behalf. 
Um, I paid for merchandise to have there. And then um, I did sell tickets to it. So between everything that I spent to make it happen and then everything that I got in ticket wise by like $100, I literally broke even basically. But that was fine because the purpose of it was to promote and get people excited for the album and it worked. Well, and I also think if you, um, just like the fact of like the networking aspect too, like you meet people and depending on who went there, it's like could be future people booking gigs for you or whatever yeah. that might be. Um, so I'm just trying to find, is that, that's, what's that? Is that Spotify? Mm. TikTok. Oh God. See, I'm not on TikTok. That's why I'm like. Yeah, I'm not good at it. I didn't even recognize the symbol. Um, wh- where's your, uh, what's the best site for music for you? Spotify, Spotify? maybe. Yeah. I use Amazon music, but Spotify for any. Like any Apple thing. music? Are you on Apple music? I'm on all the things. Oh, whip out the phone. I'm such an Apple guy that I'm like, screw <laughs> I this. I have an Apple too, but I have Amazon Music because we've just had it forever and it's so easy. Um, but then as far as any normal gig, like, let's be real. If any business, even if music is your business, you're passionate about it, you're going to want to make money because if you're a full-time musician, you have to make money <laughs> to survive. So I do have gigs where I make great money. Um and lodging is included and things like that. So, but the thing is, is the money that I make from those things um, all goes into like a business savings. And that's what I use to invest into new projects and things like that. I was going to say, so a lot of this is like the, you know, um, reinvesting or, or just kind of like turning in the profit or whatever back in Correct. and just kind of get that snowball effect going. Yep. Um, so going through... Do you want to go through your singles and EPs or do you want me to rattle them off? You can go ahead. Okay. So, and and again, for the different, an EP is an extended play. Yeah. So name. it's like five to six songs. So that's, you must be talking about Dear Dad. Dear that, Dad. Yep. Yeah. That one I recorded in Montreal with a Sony producer. It was pretty awesome. It was a good experience. Okay. So, and then you have... Let me see. We have Black Widow, which is just a single. Because of you, single. I'm just going by what they have on, yeah. on Apple Music. Too Late Now, single. And then we go up to Take the Edge Off is your first. This would be album. Yep. Okay. So then you take some of those songs and put them on. So how does, I guess, the music aspect. So there's EPs, there's LPs, there's singles, there's albums. Um, how does that, can you explain the difference between all of those? Sure. Well, I'll explain how I... And this is, if you are like an aspiring musician or somebody that wants to release music, I would be happy to sit down with you one day and go over the different stuff because I learned everything by trial and error. So like for the music portion. So I, we went to a studio and recorded on this last album. Um, The previous album, everything was in a studio. Few songs on Take the Edge Off, um, I recorded at home because with COVID stuff going on, I had no choice. And I was like, well, darn it. I want to finish this album. I don't care if they sound like crap. Like, let's just put it on. I don't care. So um, I recorded those. You get them mastered, which costs money, but you get them mastered. And then when you get the master copies, um, I use a program called TuneCore. Okay. Some people use CD Baby. There's a bunch of other ones. Um, But I use TuneCore. And what you do is you purchase a subscription 
Um, it's usually $9.99 per single and then like some other amount for an album. I do both because I don't want somebody to feel obligated to buy a full album. If they just want one song, I want them to be able to buy just a song. Okay. So um, you upload those onto TuneCore and the platform of TuneCore releases your music to all streaming platforms. So there's some on there. I don't need like title, um, Apple music. So literally anywhere that you stream music, they even put it on YouTube for you. So that's what I do for my music. It's a one-stop shop. Also through there, like you can order CDs if you want physical copies. I didn't this time because nobody has a CD player. Um, <laughs> but something that I might do is I might order like a hundred copies just to have um, with like a little digital download sticker. That okay. way, some people just like to have it, you know, people like my mom or, you know, they just want to have it. So that's for the music aspect. Um, so TuneCore or CD Baby, that's what you want to do. Um, as far as like, if you go to my website, taylorlavalley.com, I have merchandise on there and I designed and I set the website up all on my own for the website. I went through Wix and on Wix, you pair that with Printful and they combine on the website page on Wix. It sounds complicated, but I swear to God, it's step by step. I figured it out. You can figure it out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So if that gives you any hope, um, but then you design everything through Printful and when you're done, you literally upload it to your website and it's, you set your prices or some of the stuff I just let, I didn't care. I just let them set it for me. Um, I'm promise if you are someone that is serious about wanting to get into music or any kind of business, it's not as hard as you think. You just have to really take the time to do your research. Um, all of this was just me. With my little insomnia up one night, just fiddling around, and I f- figured it out. I couldn't believe it. So, so when you, um, so I'm gonna go back to, so Dear Dad was 2017. You put five songs on there. What happens when it's a star? Is that just a single? A star. Have you ever like been on Apple where they just give you like a little star? I didn't know if there was. So if I go take the edge off, it's giving you stars as take the edge off and sure as hell. So I think those are probably the most listened to. Is that what it is? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when you made um, the Dear Dad one in 17 and then five years, I mean, you're putting out some of these are singles previous and then you put out the fir- the the newest album five years later, that gap in those five years, is there a reason you had a gap of five years before you put an album off or did it, was it just like, that's how long it took me really to come up, come up with the songs I wanted to produce? So a lot of it was just, so like I said, money, it mm-hmm. costs quite a bit to get all of that situated. Um, So it was a lot of saving up. Also in that time, saving up money was kind of difficult for the project because my husband and I, we bought a home. Then you had life. Yeah, just life. Like it, it was crazy. So I just took the time to really like narrow down what songs I was writing that I wanted to be on this next project. And then I went for it. So. Okay. Um, want to take a slight break and do you want to play one of the songs or a portion of one of the songs sure or do you want to you can play you want to just play something we'll start off there and we'll come back yeah i'll play a song did i put you on the spot no any song whatever you want to play i didn't know if you wanted to play one of your off the album or if you want to play a cover or if you want to just play something like you're working on or if you're just like this is just a fun song that i feel like playing right this moment 
Um, well, I will tell you, I know it was five years between Dear Dad and Take the Edge Off, um, but I should have at least a new single coming out by the summer um, and then a full album, hopefully by fall. Okay. If all goes well. So I'll play you a song um, that'll, it'll be like the first single. I just need a pick. No, you take, you take your time. Is it better? I don't. This is fine. Well, I was thinking about like mics because I, I don't know if I can actually pop that other mic to put it down for like where you play, but we should be able to hear enough through that one mic. With a pick, um, it should be loud enough. Okay. Hopefully. So before you play, how much do you warm up before playing? Not much? Not much. Okay. Do you ever worry about that being an issue? Um. Yes. If I, like sometimes I'll have a cold or something. Mm-hmm. If I'm sick and I feel like it's going to be a struggle, I'll warm up, but days like today or if i feel fine enough or i've had enough tea or water i'm like let's just go for it okay and you drink a lot of tea <laughs> like a lot of like was it lemon tea or honey or whatever throat to... coat what's throat coat is that a special tea it's like that tra- traditional medicines or you can find it at price chopper i don't okay. even know yeah but it's just like something that's just like it's got like a licorice or some kind of root in it like that but it's good for like the the voice or your whatever yeah. say the larynx whatever the yeah all the stuff down here that makes you sing yeah okay i actually um i think it was nick seymour that told me about that or told someone that i know about it and they told me so i started drinking it and it's it really does i don't know what's in it why it works so well but it does okay <laughs> so uh, do you want to name that do you have the name of the song yet or is it still a work in progress yeah um is there a way to stretch it yes. so i can just put it under that there you go cool is that better? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to put a capo on. Capo on the first second. So this is called um, Stupid Is What Stupid Does. And I'll give you a little backstory. So I had a friend that... Um, Can I pause you for one second? Yeah. The backstories for music when people, the artists talk about the song, I'm fascinated with and I wish more artists did it. <laughs> So, sorry, keep going. You know, when you like have a song, I'm like, I wonder when they wrote this or what they were thinking or what was the cause of this. Or we think it's like this grand thing. And they're like, honestly, I was just like sitting on my couch and I just came. And all of a sudden you get this like beautiful song, but they came up with it like on a whim, just plucking around. Yeah. So that that little, but I love this that you're telling the background on this. Yeah. It's not like a super fascinating background, um, but sometimes I feel like this one is called Stupid Is What Stupid Does. It's a little harsh about the male you know, but it's nothing personal. Um, so I had a friend that was like in and out of a relationship and just constant, like, we're going to get back together. We're going to break up. And I feel like it's just one of those really relatable topics. Cause I feel like we've all been through that at some point, um, which is nuts to me. But I also was, um, I was watching Forrest Gump, <laughs> Forrest Gump one day. I just watched it a couple of days ago. Yeah. I, us- it's I love like Forrest Gump. Once a month, you know, Yeah. sometimes that and then me and girls are my tops. Um, but you know where it's like, mom says stupid or what did she say? I forget. Mom, I, it's like, life's st- like a box of chocolates. No, stupid is what stupid does. Oh yeah. Or something. Yeah. So I was like. I'm going to use that. That's perfect. <laughs> so I did. And so basically it's based on a friend's history of romance, but also it trails from Forrest Gump. Stupid is what stupid does. So, and it's country and I hope you like country. Country. 
I heard it through the grapevine that you were putting me on a shelf. It was just a matter of time, I knew it, but still it hurt like hell. So I packed a few things and slipped off the ring that clearly didn't mean too much. And I called on my friends and you know I told them and they said you dodged a bullet, hun. It was the wrong one. Like a watered down drink, but girl, you needed a strong one. That kind of doesn't make you overthinking, honey, in the long run. You're better off on your own, I know it hurts, but what's worse is telling yourself that it was love. Stupid is what stupid does. My phone buzzed at 2 a.m. I didn't read it, but you could take a while, wild guess. It took some good hard thinking and some heavy heart sinking to realize it's for the best. He's been asking about me, he's lost without me, but I can't really say the same. I should have thought that through like I should have done too the moment you asked my name. He was the wrong one, like a watered down drink, but girl, you needed a strong one. Doesn't make you overthinking, honey, in the long run. You're better off on your own, I know it hurts, but what's worse is telling yourself that it was love. Stupid is stupid does, yeah. He was a fine, fine fella, no doubt. But men like him ain't hard to figure out. They'll buy your flowers and they'll buy your rounds. One day they'll let you down Because he was the wrong one Like a watered-down drink But girl, you needed a strong one The kind that doesn't make you overthinking, honey In the long run You're better off on your own I know it hurts But what's worse Is telling yourself that it was That was great. Thanks. So how how long? Uh, so I've again, folks. I've never had anybody play music in here. So that was I felt like I was being serenaded in my own private show. But that was uh, that was great. Sorry to stare at my nostrils the whole time. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. I, I wasn't. I was actually watching just the the movement of the hands. There was what you had some D's and C's and yeah. F and G and. Precisely. Okay, so, so you I got know. I kind of got the chords. Yeah, I, I can't play them as smoothly as you did. Like I said, the C's my nemesis, but that was good. Um, so, how long does something like that take you to to write up? That was beautiful. That that, that was really cool. Thanks. So, for this particular one, um, it didn't really take any time at all. So I wrote the chorus first, okay. and then I kind of wrote the verses around it. Um, so. I actually made a video on my Facebook maybe like two weeks ago. Um, I will just, typically I'll set up my phone and record a video or I'll just turn on the voice recorder. Um, and so I already made the chorus. So I'm like, okay, I know how the chorus is going to go. Let's just sing some random stuff. I almost said a bad word. Um, and that's kind of what I did. And then it just rolled and rolled and rolled. And I came up with the first verse and I was like, okay, I'm pleased with that. I like that a lot. And then the second verse I struggled with, like really bad. Mm -hmm. um, so that one I went I went back to it the next day and 
wrote the second verse. But it's so hard to describe to people how I go about writing songs because the process changes constantly. It just depends on the mood or what inspired me. Um, so are you, you were lyrics first and then melody or then music? Lyrics first. Okay. But while I'm writing the lyrics, I'm kind of like, I have an idea of what the melody would be like. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I guess when you, do you always have an idea of what the melody is going to be? Not always. Actually, can you, can you move that just to, s- okay, I'm hearing, no, it's fine. It's just like, you hear that? It's like, yeah, it's like, somebody's got a message coming through. Is that what it is? I think so. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I just want to make sure. Cause sometimes if I have like my, that's my phone, I usually don't have my phone, but like, yeah. if it's right. uh no, you're fine. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like buzzing more. So if you, um, so do you always have an idea of what the sound will be like before you do it? Or is it, have you done it before where you just write a bunch of, you know, you write a bunch of verses or chorus and then you kind of just pick it up and sing and just kind of fiddle around until it sounds right? Yeah, I have done that um, pretty often actually. So I just will write lyrics. I kind of know how I want them to be phrased. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, if you have to add a you or a the or a so or whatever, yeah, babe, whatever the additive word is to help that phrasing, um, I kind of do that. I don't know what the melody is going to be, but I know like dun, 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 like how I want to So a little bit of a beat or kind of Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, And then typically I'll grab the guitar and then I'll just start strumming some chords. And sometimes I do the chords first and then I will be like, I like those chords. Now let's do a melody off of those chords. So So it's like ass backwards. Okay. No, it's fine. So when you when you say chords and then you say melody of a chord, can you like, is that just like... So like, let's say, for example, with that song. Mm-hmm. So like I wrote the words and then I was like, I really like that. Okay. I heard it through the grapevine that you were putting me on a shelf. I really like how that sounds. So that's kind of how okay. it started. And then it goes to a C, I think, or a D. But anyways, so that's kind of the process that can happen is I write the lyrics and then I just noodle around with some chords and then I'll start singing a random melody, nothing particular. If it sounds right, that's when I record it because I'm like, I don't want to forget how that went. So So you have that like, uh aha, like, ooh, that's good. Yeah. Gotcha. And sometimes I do stuff and I'm like, oh my God, that is not good. So... Like if you take that song, like is there more than one variation of that song? Because now it's getting like polished and you're kind and, and that might even change from what you record. Like there's a couple things, but like if you were to play back your first versions of that, could you have been like, well, the lyrics were different or I... Lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, there is a difference for sure. Yeah. There's some lines that I have, especially in the second verse, man, I really struggled with that. Um, where, yeah. The, the words are very different or I just took a different approach to it. Sometimes I'm like, God, that's like really harsh or like. Could you change the chord progression sometimes where just like instead of going that, you know, instead of going from like you just, I don't know, you were just playing a G. Like instead of going from a G down to a C, maybe a G to a D back up to a G to a C. Could you do Good. that? Yeah. So if it's just. I heard it through the grapevine. You put me on a shelf. It was just a matter of time. I knew it still it hurt like hell. Like that? So that's different than what you'd play normally. Yeah. But you could still like, that still sounded good. Obviously, like your first verse, I'm, I'm sure, like you said, you've packaged that up 
much nicer than that. But it's, <laughs> um, but that would be something that you just play with to see like yeah. trial and error, kind of like what works, what doesn't work. Oh, definitely. Do you play two people and say like, what do you think? Or are you very much just like whatever I like and then I'm just sending it out there? Um, it goes both ways. So like sometimes I'll show it to my husband, Troy, mm-hmm. and there's times he's grooving. And then there's times like, well, I feel like, and he's honest. He is, he's a critic. So he will be like, like there's another song that I wrote um, recently that I recorded and showed him. And he was like, yeah, I don't like how you, like the end of the chorus, he's like, you're just, he's like, you got to go up, do something, do something different. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And and do you, I mean, do you reflect on that and say like, I like that or just like, I like the opinion, but just not what I want to go for. So for the particular song I'm talking about that he said that for, I was like, the thing is, though, is me vocally, I can't do monotone, go up and then back to like to the lower register for the verse because mm-hmm. it's it's too quick. Mm-hmm. So then he's like, OK, that makes sense. Just think about it. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So, yeah. So is he pretty much your main sounding board or do you have other like your bandmates or your friends that you kind of just like, hey, what do you think about this? And like maybe this is a solo song that I'm trying to do. You know, it's hard because I feel like, and I know sometimes like people could maybe be more honest about things. Um, Like I play a song for Kevin that's in my band and he's like, that's great, great. Like sometimes I want people to be like, well, what about this? Because like, I don't know if they're being- Kind of press you a little bit more on it. Right. Like, I don't know if they're being like, like my mom always says they're great, but that's my mom. You know, like I'll let her have it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. She goes a pass. Yeah. So- (laughs) But sometimes I wish before I put anything out into the world, if if there's something that you feel should be different, please tell me because I would rather not listen to it later and have you be like, well, you should have done this, you do, know? Do you find, um, let me see, do you find that, because there's got to be a level, like if you're, I think as, as an artist, you have to do stuff that you like really like and mm-hmm. you can't try to appeal to every single person. So is there a, a certain level of like, I will take the that criticism. I'll take like the well constructive criticism. I'll yeah. ta- or I'll take the ideas and kind of marinate on them and see if I want to add it or change it. But then at the end of the day, it still comes back to you have the final decision, and you're just like, yeah, no, yeah, like I like this way better. I'm just going that. Well, route. what's tough is like, so when I'm writing a song, like even though I can write a song in a half hour, like mm-hmm. from start to finish, I have. I'm married to it. Like I've already in my head, I already know how the chords go, how the lyrics go. Um, I've already changed it along the way. So this is how I feel comfortable singing it. This is how the phrasing is the most comfortable for me. Um, so it's, it's hard. Cause they're like, kind of like your babies. Like you write a song and then you just, you're stuck. You stick to your guns basically. Like, you know what it sounds like, why it sounds like that. But there's got to be um, like a fun factor too for you, right? Yeah. Like if you're just like, I think what you just said is awesome, but I just really like this vibe or the way these chords yeah. roll into each other. Yeah. So some of that too, where it's like, I don't really care. It's just, this is fun. This is for me. And this is like what makes me happy up on stage. Yeah. And there's some songs I write where they are very simple and, you know, he could want me to like do something more. I don't know. Flashy. Different with it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's meant to just be low key. Like DGC. Like, yeah. I just want to live in those. Low key. Um, what is, uh, 
so a, cu- a couple things we'll, we'll d- you know talk about you talk about like songwriting but then you have down like dreams or goals like what's what do you hope to accomplish you know with music now that this is like really i would say at this point if you're going full-time this is probably the most i don't say serious but the most committed that you've been to it just because you've given up like the the job to focus on this career and is, is that true to say that yeah so i mean it wasn't like intentionally to focus on this career um I just wanted to find a better fit for mm-hmm. myself, but I'm very fortunate that I have this to do. Um, but then it just became very evident to me that like, maybe I can just try to do this. I'm so fortunate because like my husband has a really great job and like I, I at one point wasn't able to m- take the leap to do it full time. Just stuff be expensive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I saw this thing today where it was like, you have filet mignon taste with a hot dog pocketbook. I was like, I like hot dogs. But anyway. <laughs> I actually um, had one the other day. The kids had one extra and I was like, ah, screw it. I'm going to have it. it I know. Good. Just like in the microwave with some mustard. Mm, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so I don't know. Like I just, I've never been able to see myself doing it just financially, but with what Troy does now and... I saved a lot. I mean, I'm like a squirrel in my savings account. Like frugal? Yeah. Yeah. Not frugal, but I just, I had a certain amount every payday that I'd be like, that's going in my savings. So I'm, I'm set for a little bit to just focus on music. And I kind of purposely did it that way, set it up. Um, But the goal, sorry, the goal for me, I truly just would love to be a songwriter. Like I can bust out a song. 20 minutes, 30 minutes tops, and it can somewhat be usable for somebody. My goal, like, I also write personalized songs. Like, I just wrote a personal song for somebody's wedding day. I saw that on the website. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So people do it. It's a legitimate thing. I do those. I have a couple that I actually need to do up for next month. But beyond that, um, so there's just, I would just want to be a songwriter. And, like, I can perform, too. That's cool. I love being on stage. There's nothing like it. Um but I just like writing songs. When I think of songwriting, especially like like Nashville, you think of like there's a lot of them. But um, like Chris Stapleton was a, you know, he wrote a lot of songs and mm-hmm. then decided to get up on stage. And guys, amazing. Like I would literally be a backup singer for somebody. Like I don't care. I don't need the spotlight to be on me. Like I. You just like being in the music. Right. Like I just like to be in the moment with it. Um. I would be a background singer and like write songs for them. So, but, so, but if you like, yeah, so you wouldn't have no problem like writing in your studio, handing it off and letting someone else sing your song and you would just mm-hmm. get as much enjoyment out of that as anything else. Yeah. I went to a, a show. Um, so you remember the song, is it Cruise, the Florida Georgia Line? Yeah. So the guy that wrote it isn't them. The guy who wrote it is Chase Rice. Yeah. And I didn't realize that because I, I, so we went to this concert and Chase Rice was there and I didn't really know who Chase Rice was. And then he started singing. I'm like, oh, I've heard like a lot of these songs. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, this is a little song that I sang or I wrote, uh, didn't sing it, but I'm just going to sing it for you. And then he busted out the song and sang it and it was like just as good. Yeah. So I kind of thought it was funny that you have a guy that put out his own music that wrote for another duo that, that got huge, that popped, like it was a massive hit. Um, and didn't like Nelly do a remake with or a remix with it. Like it was just a massive song. And then this guy wrote it. And I almost wonder, I've always wondered about those guys. Like did someone like Chase 
Rice. I'll say Chase Rice. Make it sound like I know the guy. Chase Rice. Like, did he have like, would he have sat there and be like, man, why didn't I just record that song? Kind of almost like remorse for handing it over. Or if he's like, no, this like not really my jam, but it fit these guys so well that I'm glad they like perfected it. Well, I can tell you what probably happened is he probably went into a writing room with people and they were like, Florida Georgia Line needs songs. He probably wrote that song with the intention of it being for Florida Georgia Line. Mm-hmm. Probably wasn't something that he saw himself performing, putting out. Um, and I think a lot of songwriters do that kind of stuff. Like, like isn't Ed Sheeran a big writer for other people too? Or yeah. was at one point? Yeah. I think there's a lot of artists that are. But um, yeah. And I think that's the fun part of being a songwriter though, is like you could have a great song that you're just, it's not for you. It's mm-hmm. not for you to sing, but you can give it to somebody and they can like blow it out of the water. So do you find, have you ever had that where you've written songs? You're like, I like this song. I just, and I love the, or I should say, I love the song. I just don't really want to sing it. Like, so yeah, I actually, I think what made me the most excited about or inspired to be a songwriter is when I was doing my EP, Dear Dad, and I went to Montreal, well, outskirts of Montreal, um, and I was recording with a guy that works for Sony, and he also does music for Cirque du Soleil. Oh, cool. um, So like, you know, like the Elvis Cirque du Soleil show or like All You Need Is Love. Yeah, the Beatles? Yeah, like he did the music producing. Like he took all of the archives and like made those songs like for Cirque du Soleil. Okay. Like he goes to Spain. He does stuff in Vegas. Like him and his family lived in Vegas for years because he did the Cirque du Soleil there. So I kind of am like proud of it. We're still buddies. And like he came to one of my gigs a couple months back like at Ridley's. So we're tight. And But he was so... I felt so honored because we kind of, I think that he was trying to challenge me a little bit because I was songwriting for the EP and he's like, okay, well I have this track that I need lyrics to. Well, little did I know he was pitching songs at the time to Sony for like artists like Christina Aguilera and stuff. And not that any of my stuff like went anywhere, but Mm -hmm. the fact that someone like that believed in me enough to be like, take this track and write, write to this song. And he liked it. We recorded it busted it out and it was sent over did it get taken no but so that was my first experience at songwriting and pitching songs with somebody at that level um so so that song could have been pitched and christina aguilera could have sang that song yeah so the point of telling you that is that it's pop music Mm -hmm. i can kind of sing pop music it's fun to sing i'm my niche is more country classic rock but I, not to my own horn, but I can write a good pop song. <laughs> They're not hard to write. Yeah. <laughs> Very repetitive. But, um, so anything I would write. So I was going to say is that, because I think, um, and it sounds like how, how you've been talking, discussing all this, that looking at maybe that kind of stuff where people push you a little bit, it's kind of like athletics or like go one rep harder, add more weight or go a little bit quicker, yeah. you know, do one more set. You know, you kind of get pushed out of that comfort zone, which, you know, everybody knows that's where the growth happens and not where you're comfortable. Do you find that that might be something you seek out more now to say like, hmm, like, let's see if someone can kind of beat me up a little bit and and challenge me and see if I can grow. And and all of a sudden, like, wouldn't it be cool? I mean, again, like all of a sudden you see someone's name and at the bottom it's Taylor LaValle, you know, Mm -hmm. written right as the writer of the song. Like, Well, I think that's why I've done the the local stuff 
I've beaten it with a stick. Like I've played all the places numerous times. I've I've have networks and people that I've made friends with that are in Nashville, Montreal, LA even like in it's not like I could call them up tomorrow and they would like do anything at a drop of a hat, but knowing that I have the bases of what I need mm-hmm. and I have those connections, now my goal and what I'm trying to do is be smart with those connections. Um kind of hone in on my craft a little bit more. Um, so that's why I'm trying to like write a song a day. You save that stuff up and somebody could one day be like, we need a song for this. Like Hallmark, for example, well, sometimes has things where they want you to send a song. So I'm just trying to build up my catalog so I can just start. But I, th- I think if you if you do a song a day, it keeps you super sharp. Like, you know what I mean? Like your mm-hmm. skills just get better. It's repetition. It's reps. It's just like, you know, if you do something every single day, most, I mean, I think a lot of people, if they've accomplished, say, high level things in their life, like I, I'm always fascinated where people come from and what they start out as. And this mm-hmm. could be business. This could be, you know, someone famous. This could be musicians, athlete. Yeah. Like where were they when they started? And it's always funny to look at, you know, especially musicians, like, Again, I'll go back to the Dave Matthews band just because I follow him a lot. But like, there was a video, a picture that circulated a few months back, and it's the f- original Five Guys and Dave Matthews band playing in front of someone's garage at like someone's that. sister's like birthday party. I saw that. Yeah. And I'm sitting there in my head. I'm like, this was outrageous. And I think it. And I don't even know what it was. And they, and like Stefan, who's the bassist, was like, I'm still in my band outfit because I had to come from our like my jazz band ensemble right to this gig. And he's like at the black pants and the white shirt, like the common, yeah. you know, and, and, but they're playing this gig in someone's driveway or, you know, I've looked into old recordings where like this was in like car or like the drummers, like mom's basement. Mm-hmm. And you look at like where they started to where they're at now. And like days worth like half a million, a uh, half a billion dollars. Like, Isn't that crazy? But it's like, you look at where they started. So, and, and this is even for like, you know, business and stuff like, where, you know, people like talk about Elon Musk being the richest guy. Like I've read his book, like the first place he came over from South Africa was Montreal and he went to King's College in Kingston, Ontario. And then he ended up dropping out and started this like, like first startup where he like lived on the couch and he showered at the YMCA and they actually got um, internet by like drilling a hole in the floor and running a cable down to their unit. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at that, you're like, oh my God, that's like stuff that I would do or anybody else would do. It's just he hasn't stopped for 40 years and like every day is just put in work to keep going. So it's like music. If every day you're writing, every day seems probably a little bit insignificant, but then you're like, hey, I've been doing this now 15 years and what's five more years going to look like? Because the five years you're putting into it is not five years of Taylor at 13. It's five years at Taylor at 22. What would it be? give you a pass on age. So, but Taylor at your current age, you know what I mean? So you're not starting from scratch. You're, yeah. you're compoundly building on all the stuff that has led you to now. So when you look at that, like your growth is, is not incremental. It's, you know, you start compounding or you start having this exponential growth throughout that time. How are we on time? What time are you? I'm, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. So I'll tell you a little story. So obviously I told you I was born in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So when I was 17 going on 18, like I had it in my head, I'm going to move to Nashville. Told my mom, but I never lived on my own. I'd never done anything on my own. And I was like, actually, I'm not going to. But 
I was this close. Like I could have literally picked up and went there. And sometimes I wish I did because I feel like like music has changed so much, even in just that small amount of time from the time I was 18 to now, you know, 10 years later. Um, I just feel like the music industry is very different. Um, things were more tangible back then than they are now. It's just, but um, I think about how much I've grown since like in those 10 years. So, you know, I've tried out for American Idol, all of that. Um, obviously didn't get in, um, got pretty far in one of the rounds. But the point of saying all of that is that like sometimes I look back and I'm like, man, like imagine if I just like took the leap and moved there. Like I wonder, I just wonder where I'd be. Like would somebody have noticed me by now kind of thing. Um, but also I look at what I have and like I have my husband and my daughter and mm-hmm. But beyond that, how much I've grown as an artist, as a songwriter, um, how hard some gigs have been, you know, learning how to play with new people. Um, so it's not like I, people are always like, when are you going to move to Tennessee? I wish it was that easy. I really do. But our roots are here right now, like with family and life. Um, so the plan is to visit as often as I can. And luckily my family lives about half hour, 45 minutes outside of Nashville. So I'm going to do that more now that I have the ability to. Um, but yeah, I just think that looking at myself, how much I've grown, even recordings of myself singing alone, the songwriting, like sometimes I look back then I'm like, God, I just like, can't believe I thought that was like amazing. You know what I mean? So do you get time to look back and reflect on that stuff? I do. I mean, are you good about doing that? Or not all yeah. the time, but regularly like, hey, what do I sound like at 20? What do I sound like at 22? Or what do I sound like at 16? Well, you know, Facebook memories is really good about throwing it in your face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so I, a video came up in my memories and it was me like with my little glasses on and like, I think I had like a beanie on like, what the hell, Taylor? Like, What are you wearing? Um <laughs> I had a beanie on and just like, (laughs) I think I was like going through one of those phases where I was like, skater, I don't know. But anyways, the video I did, I started, I was like, hey guys, it's Taylor. Like, (laughs) is that what you sounded like? (laughs) Yeah. Like, but do you ever watch videos of yourself from back in the day and you're like, oh my God, cringe. I can't even, I can't. But I look at that girl who was like, I'm going to move to Nashville. And then I look at myself now and I think it was necessary for me to grow here and learn some lessons here before going there. Yeah. I, well, I always, I I mean, I don't know if this is true or not, but I always think that, you know, life is, I I do think that life is planned out. I do think that it's not just like, um, you know, I think that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. I think that we make choices, even if you're like, ah, should I have done this or should I have done that? I feel like whatever choice you made was the correct choice you should have made and that whatever universal powers pushed you or nudged you in that direction. So, and this kind of gives, and again, I don't know if this is true or not, but this always gives me kind of like peace of mind is I just think every decision I made and every experience I went through was supposed to happen. Yeah. So then I don't think back on like, Hmm. Because everybody, you could say that. Like, what happens if I moved here? What happens if I went to this college? Or what happens if I would have dated this person? Or what happens if I did this sooner or later in life? And I think that 
you can play that with every decision in life. And I always think it always leads back to where you are now. And then it's like, well, would you have changed your life? And I'm like, well, no. Like, And I think having a spouse and kids changes that because I would be like, well, I wouldn't have my three children. So like, mm-hmm. absolutely not. I would never change my life. And, but I think even if I was married to my wife, you know, I would not want to say that. You know what I mean? And um, But I think that things also work out the way they're supposed to where you're like, hey, 17, 18 years old, I'm moving to Nashville. And then something crazy happens and, you know, and it could be morbid. It could be like maybe you got in a car accident driving to Nashville when you're 18 and got seriously injured, could never play guitar again. I know yeah. that's a very, you know, small percentage, but what happens if that was the case? And instead, now that you've, you know, you met your husband, you got married, you had a child. Now all of a sudden, like you went through some stressful stuff, you know, with maybe having too much on your plate and now that kind of worked out and now you have maybe a little bit fresh lens to look through and now you're like, hmm, I'm working on this and now I put the album out and then you kind of look at all the, because we always, I think most people dwell on negatives. It's just the way we're fine tuned. It's kind of like that, like fight or flight, but we kind of look at the negatives and, and we focus on it because we don't want that, but it takes over. Where if you really kind of try to, which is not natural, but try to push out the negatives and say like, what's the positives? And anytime I do that, because I've, you know, I pretty, I reflect a lot and self-reflect a lot. But if I look at that, I'm like, what, what's the positives? And always outweighs the negatives, mm-hmm. always. And then you're like, wow, that's great. And even down to like, hmm, like, okay, my, my, like I saw something today. I don't want to, I don't want to share because it, it kind of like, but I saw something today on Facebook that I saw and I was like, and it, long, long story, someone's child died, like older child, but still a child. And in my head, yeah. I was like, I couldn't even imagine. That's like my worst fear in life is that something would happen to one of my children. Yep, same. And, but, and my kids are young. Like what happens if my kids are 40 and that happens? I'm like, I would, I'm assuming still feel the same way because they're your kid, you know? And I think, yeah. you know, looking, and this was literally today, I saw that and I was like, oh my God, that's terrible. And then I kind of was like, reflect on it what happens that was one of my kids and i would be totally shook up my life would be completely different like what my you know i mean it completely rock my world mm-hmm. and i look at that i'm like you know what they're fine they're healthy and i look like and i'm like any problem i deal with today won't even pale or pale comparison to something like that so then i'm like i'm good like i don't care what happens today like, yeah and when things when you see things like that that happen um also i think we all have a tendency to like play the pity party game with yourself Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you're just like my god like i had the worst day like life is just throwing me stones right now like Mm -hmm. i don't even know when you see stuff like that it's like is it really that bad though well have you heard of the the idea like if everybody threw their problems in a circle you'd be quick to pull yours back out yeah because it's like most people have way like when you go through anything it's like I always look at health. Like I'm healthy. I got, I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty sane person. I feel like I have a great support system. And then you go through all the scenarios of all the people that you're like, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that. And then you look at your life and like, actually I'm pretty good. Like, and it's almost like a George Bailey. You ever seen the wonderful life? Yes. I love that movie. So like, he's like all this, all this negative stuff. And then he kind of goes through like, well, this is what would happen if you weren't alive, George. And then you realize like, oh, I do have a one, obviously cliche with the title but it's a wonderful <laughs> life and you know but it comes it takes all the way for him to kind of go around and realize like oh like yeah my i saved my brother when he fell in the water and then i you know i my my work here and then you know this happened with mary doesn't his wife doesn't recognize me like all these things that are crazy but because he's involved it's like again the universal laws of like like for some reason 
this date and time in the universe, you and I were supposed to be at this table having this conversation. Yeah. You know, and I think about that a lot when I run into people. I'm like, for whatever reason, our, I've never – I've been aware of who you are. I've never really ha- had a conversation with you. But then then it's like, oh, well, today's the day that I had the conversation and I learned from you and hopefully you learned something from me and hopefully there's an impact that's a good impact for both of us. And we're like, oh, that, I'm really glad I had a conversation with Taylor. And are you? I am. You had a, you played a beautiful song. No, I really am, and I think. But it, it's it's nice. Like I, the one thing the podcast has let me do is I've met a lot of people and I've been able to have conversations with people and learn from people. And I I I like to learn stuff, and I've always tried to learn stuff. And the more different people that I get on the podcast from different walks of life and background and you know skills and habits and and thoughts and everything else, it's like I can. It's just like a good like melting pot of ideas and, and perspectives, and I get to learn a lot and, um, you know, and kind of draw similarities too. Like you're very similar. Like I, you kind of joked when you came in, like I'm going to be the least business person you're going to talk to. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I had my high school buddies on before, and we yeah. just like shot, shot the breeze about a bunch of random stuff. So, But it, it, there's still a level of connect, connectiveness where I can take you, like the things you're saying about booking gigs or playing or getting better or focusing on something like little small habits every day. Like, how could that translate to my life? Or how could someone listening to this say, like, hmm, I'm not in the music industry, um, but I'm a teacher. Maybe something Taylor said, and we, you know, which I would say music and teaching, you know, as professions are kind of very different. But someone maybe can pull that in and maybe make it better for them or something. Or maybe you just said, like, hey, I use a cool app about analytics. And now someone's like, hmm, like I, I actually was like, what's that app again? Like, I kind of like that. Yeah. Even though it has nothing, like, I didn't know about it. And you told me that you do it for music downloads. I'm like, well, could I do that for something I do in my business? Like, yeah, you can use it for anything. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So I like that. Um, Do you want to, we have about 10 more minutes. Do you want to play another song? Sure. Can, can, um, what's your favorite song to play? Um, let's or actually, see. before that, what song were you gonna play? Just now? Yeah. Did you have a song where you're like, "I'm gonna play this," or were you just like, "I don't"? No, play. I honestly was gonna be like, "I don't know what to play." <laughs> what, so what, what's so what's your favorite song? Actually, I'm gonna ask you a couple questions, and maybe one of the songs I'll say like, "Can you play it?" So I'm gonna okay. kind of rapid fire. Okay. So, what's your favorite song to play? My favorite song. Yep. Um, probably. Oh, geez, that's a good question. Full band, Black Velvet. Okay. I don't know how to play it on guitar, though. Solo, probably to make you feel my love. Okay. And what's your favorite... Um, and when I say favorite song, are those your favorite songs because, like, the way they make you feel or just, like, the chord progression or just, like, they're fun or they're challenging? Like, what would make that be your favorite song? To Make You Feel My Love became one of my favorites to play solo because... It's one of Troy's favorites that I play solo. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Um, What's your least favorite song? I want to say least favorite song. What's your least favorite like cover kind of thing? If someone said like, can you play this song? And you're like, "Uh, like play Freebird. And you're like, no. Like, I don't know. Like, is there like a song that you would, you get and you're like, I can play it and I play it well, but like, I gotta hate this song. Harvest Moon, I feel like. What song's that? It's by Neil Young, I think, but it's only because the chords are so funky and like I mess it up every time I play it. Oh, yeah, I know. Every time. Okay. And then Harvest Moon Nintendo. What is going on there? I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, who's your favorite artist to cover? My favorite artist. That's a good question. 
Man, I love me some Stevie Nicks. Okay. Yeah. Um, Stevie Nicks, like solo Stevie? Whole uh, band Stevie? like More what? Fleetwood Stevie. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then what's your favorite? Is your favorite genre just country? Or is it like you said rock? I listen. I'm a big, like I'm a big country snob. Like I love all of the things like if you don't like classic country i'm like offended a little bit sometimes like i'm very defensive about it i'm like it's really not that bad and when you say classic country which which i'm era? talking like hank williams i'm okay, talking like, like merle haggard like so those old. things yeah. yes like i can get down to that john anderson all of that um johnny cash duh okay yeah i love johnny, johnny cash. cash he's one of my favorites yes um but i'm i'm really a huge classic rock listener like if you went out to my car right now and turned on the radio it's classic rock always and i think the reason why is we're talking like 60s 70s 80s like what we're talking like classic in your eyes we're talking like equals talking like john mellencamp okay talking fleetwood mac okay uh, lots tom petty on there but the reason why is i feel like that music will never ever 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 go out of style so Okay. And who's your who's your favorite singer, songwriter, musician band currently? Currently? Ooh. And it still could be Stevie Nicks, but I'm saying like who's your favorite like at this date and time? So right now, oh gosh, I'm really into um Oh, that's a good question. I really like um oh my god, I just went blank on the name. Give me a hot second. And if you're like most people and they can't pick a favorite, do you have like a, you could go like up to maybe three to five. If you're like, this is kind of like the realm of like. Okay, that's fair. That's usually you. makes it easy. People yeah. like, I don't want to pick this first. Yeah. So like, I really love like Tyler Childers. Um, Sorry, keep Childers. Going. No, I, I'm actually, I bought tickets to a festival this year. Yeah. And he's headlining one of the nights. I think I'm the only person on planet earth that doesn't know who this guy is. Cause everybody I talked to like, oh my God, he's great. And I'm like. I'm actually bought it because the band like below him on the ticket thing, so yes. Yeah, so I'm at, I will see him later this year, but I don't really know his music. Yeah, so He's I'm like really, bluegrass, right? He is, okay. but I don't. Which is fine. I don't mind bluegrass. There's like two songs of his that I have on my shuffle on my playlist, and I I'm a song skipper, unfortunately. Like okay. I get through the first verse and chorus, I'm like next. With his songs, I very rarely switch through them. Okay. They're just different. They're fun. And um, I think it's just because they are so different. I really like Whiskey Myers right now. And I'm just talking like right now what I'm really into. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and then I really love. Um, what the f- what's her name? I'm so sorry. If it's someone new, I probably will not know it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But why. it's in the country realm. Yeah. Oh, Megan, Morgan, Megan Maroney, something like that. So these are country artists. And the reason why I'm really into them is because they are wonderful songwriters. So that really strikes me. Um, So I've been listening to a lot of those artists. All right. So who's your favorite songwriter? Favorite songwriter ever? Yes. Oof. That's a good question. And again, if you want a top three, I'll, I'll give you the... My favorite songwriter would have to be <laughs> it have to be Stevie Nicks because like 
That's fine. <laughs> and I know I'm like a one trick pony right now, but like I'm very passionate about it because any song that she's written that you listen to, like the lyrics to Edge of 17, Sarah, which was about her unborn child, just incredible. And Tom Petty too. Like, so. Yeah, Tom Petty's good. Yeah. Um, all right. What song do you want to play? What song do I want to play? Do you want to play a Stevie Nicks song? Do you play sure. Stevie Nicks songs? Yeah, I do Dreams. Okay. Do you want to play that? Sure. I mean, or do you like Galen, this, what band do you, or artist do you really like? And I'll see if I can play them. Here's something really fun. I don't know any Dave Matthews band. That's fine. So let's just put that in the forefront. Um, I probably could try, but give me a song that you want to hear and I will just show you how I would do it at a normal. Do you want like a country song? Anything. Country, classic rock. Um, I mean, oh God, when you went country rock or when you went uh, classic rock, I went to, can I give you a, I don't know if you'll know this one. You know Led Zeppelin at all? Yeah. Like songs by them? I know Going to California. Um, what song were you thinking? Um, have you heard the song Thank You by Led Zeppelin? Nope. Okay. Then never mind. Let's scratch it. That's one of my all-time favorite songs. Aw. Um, my mom I, just texted me, call me. Is that like a, is that like a warning call? Or is no. that like a normal mom thing? No, she just likes to talk. Oh. Um, I hope. The, uh, so... Okay, so we'll scrap scrap that with um, with uh, Led Zeppelin. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of like something that would be more like acoustic and not like Stairway to Heaven, obviously. But that's um, I'm trying to find classic rock. Like, I've, co- I've covered ACDC acoustically. I mean, really? Okay, yeah, so you can go all over. Um, yeah. Do you know any? Do you know any Queen songs? Queen? Yeah, I probably could. Like I feel like like um. Like, I feel like you could do like crazy little thing called love. I feel yeah. like you could do that. I feel like you could do um. If you can do a somebody to love, I'd be pumped. Somebody to love. Do you know that song? Yeah, let me look up the chords. Do that song because I I I I love that song. I mean, there's other ones, but that one I feel like it's more piano based though. So maybe that's like Freddie. Freddie was quite the vocalist. Quite the vocalist, but more. This is impressive if you can play. So which one are we doing? Somebody to love? Yeah. <laughs> this is so awesome. Okay, I'm gonna try it. I can't do the kid. No, that's I, no. I was gonna say I'm like he, he's he's got some octaves. So each morning I get up, I die a little. Can barely stand on my feet. Take a look in the mirror and cry. Lord, what you doing to me? I spent all my years believing you. But I just can't get no relief, Lord. Somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me? Somebody to love. He looks like 
I work hard every day of my life Can work to make my bones At the end of the day I take home my heart, pay on my own I get down on my knees and I start to pray Till the tears run down from my eyes Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody Can anybody find me somebody to love? The chords get a little funky there. That was incredible. But just an example, like, it may not be perfection, but if somebody's like, I just want to hear a song, I'll just look it up like that and that's on typically on a piano yeah right? i mean so i'm saying like you've you can pull it from a, one instrument too because yeah. piano and guitar they're similar but they're very chords different. are universal but it, i also looked up guitar chords for somebody to love okay. so i think somebody transposed that it. was that was pretty damn good <laughs> um well taylor i appreciate you coming on this was great you got an absolutely amazing voice and i'm excited I think anybody that tapes takes a leap and kind of like goes all in on on something they really like to do is is inspiring. And I think that, you know, I think you like you said, you stick with it and you grind it out, and you'll you'll figure out ways to make it happen. And I one of the I had a business coach and she mentioned this one time to me, and I thought it was great. Um, you know, if you put certain certain things or you put boundaries or you do certain things like out of you grow out of necessity. So your necessity is like. I'm going all in on this and you'll make it like, I think you'll make it happen. You know, you seem like kind of a go-getter and, uh, um, trying. (laughs) Yeah. So if anybody, like I said, where can people find you direct, you know, direct people to, you know, how they can learn more about you, get your music. Yeah. So you you can, if you go to my website, taylorlavalley.com, um, there is a contact section on there where if you want to book me for something, I do weddings, that ceremony, full band. I do events. I can play at your establishment, whatever. Um, there's also links to music on my website. Um, yeah, you can download it, listen to it, follow me on Facebook if you want to see where I'm playing next. So very yeah. cool. Well, hey, I, I appreciate you doing this. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks think, for having me. This was actually like the, having the music here was awesome. I love live music, so the <laughs> fact that it's like now it's like uh, cluing me in on getting more musicians in because I just love listening to people with talent and it's amazing. So for sure. Um, all right, we're going to wrap it up there. Again, check uh, Taylor out. Um, yeah, just a lot of cool stuff. And, and again, she just did both these songs. One's brand, like I said, brand new, right? Yeah. And then that one, I just uh, I tried to, not stump you, but I tried to pick a song I like, but I thought <laughs> it would be kind of cool if you could pull it off and yeah. you just like, you beat it with flying colors. So, um, all right, that's it. Episode 228 of the Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.